0: it's actually erotic bigfoot erotica yeah yep
1: okay, you want to wow. do it you want to go on amazon and you want to type in bigfoot porn don't you i'm really so not. you want do to that. do it but you I'm want not to
2: going to do I that i don't have
1: to now because you're doing it for me thank you uh, just took the hit bro most paranormal shows or shows of this ilk don't give you this kind of entertainment
2: we have See, look we aim to please yeah we've
1: entertained you significantly tonight and uh we think well even even after so. even
0: after you stop recording you entertain me sufficiently.
1: Oh, I'm still recording. I just put a marker around there to, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who just made it to the blooper reel. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're running behind right now, and I'm a little, little bit. bit amped up on caffeine, but not real bad. At least I'm not right now. I have
2: Dayquil in my system.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long time since we've done a show with you on the queue, but tonight we have Jason Offit with us. Jason Offit uh, has released a new horror fictional short story compilation that he has written, and it's been a long time since we've had Offit on the show. I think it's probably been about two years. So um he is off waiting off to the side in the realm of Skype, beer in hand, waiting for us to talk to him. But we're going to cover a lot of his books that we've never covered before, because the last time we had him on here, it was to talk about time travelers and a, and a few other specific topics. But we've never really talked to him about his other books very much, other than stuff here and there. And he's released quite a lot, and he sent us a few to go over. And my favorite one is How to uh, Kill Monsters with Common Household Devices, <laughs> which is hysterical. Um so we're just going to jump into that. And then afterwards, I'll either end up telling some of these stories during the process of the interview or I have a whole bunch of funny things to talk about after the show's over with. So we'll see you guys at the other side. And here we go with the return of Jason Offit. Hey, wee So, returning to the show after a long period of time, I think it's been—I think it's been at least two years since we've had you on here. Is uh, Jason Offit, writer, father extraordinaire, and damn model American, as I like to say every time you're on the show? Um, okay. <laughs> we've never actually talked to you about the books that you've written. I don't think. I don't think we've covered. We've always covered stuff other than the books that you've written, just because it was more fun and convenient. We went through the whole time traveler thing with you. Um. I don't remember which what I've else
0: written it's been. about. Which I've written about. You did. So, you covered Madman Markham.
1: It's in here. Yeah. So uh, you're doing fiction works now. Wow. Did my voice crack when I said that? I felt yep. like Peter Brady. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're doing fictional books <laughs> now. Uh, so what we're going to do is, for the most part, we've had all these questions we wanted to ask you and all these things about these books over the years, but you kind of you've moved on from paranormal, rightfully so, and I can understand why. And then we got to talking online, and you popped up on our, another paranormal show talking about this stuff, and I was like, I didn't think you covered that anymore. And then you drunkenly jumped all over my shit and was like, what do you mean? You know, you were, now. I'm kidding, you didn't do it that bad. But you're like, yeah, I still talk about this stuff, I just don't write about it anymore. And then you were talking about your new I believe I, t- I believe I said I don't write about it
0: often anymore.
1: You don't really. Yeah, you have not uh, your blog, Your blog, which is uh, From the Shadows, correct?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I haven't posted on that in a long time. I still do some uh, cryptozoology stuff that is posted over at Mysterious Universe. But uh, uh, generally, cryptozoology and time travel, I will tackle those. But uh, a lot of the other pa- paranormal topics, like, uh, you know, I, I haven't written about black-eyed kids forever. Um, but if it's, you know, if somebody wants to talk about things I've written before, you know, like my book on shadow people and, and you know, hauntings and things of that nature, I'm, I'm more than open to, to talk about that stuff.
1: Is it boredom why you walked away from it, or you've just moved on with other things? Uh, well, uh, it's a li- not boredom. I mean, how do you
0: get bored of paranormal things? I, um, you make a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've met a lot of really, really cool people. Uh, you know, when I've been inter- when I've interviewed people, when I've been on on all sorts of shows. Uh, uh, fellow authors, I met. I've met some really cool people out there. I've also met some really crazy people.
1: And oh, no, I did and that, that today, did. so yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind
0: of one reason I've I've, I've kind of stepped back, and, and another one is I've I've wanted to write. Uh, I've wanted to write novels ever since I was a kid. I have wanted, uh, you know, to 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 write humorous fiction. I wanted to write horror stories ever since I was a kid, and I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of getting up there in age. I should probably get this stuff. <laughs> you know, tackled now because, you know, I've always wanted to do it and I don't want to look back with any regrets. So boom, I started hitting the fiction kind of hard.
1: How's it been working out for you? Well, I've,
0: uh, I had my first novel, uh, published a couple of years ago. It's, uh, called a funeral story. It's a nerd romance that involves a guy who leads a secret life, uh, when he's not uh, helping his mom take out the garbage or playing Dungeons and Dragons with his high school buddies from you know 15 years before, uh, he's going to funerals of strange of, of strangers and and picking up women he doesn't know and having sex with them in the church.
1: How did you come oh. up with that idea for a story? <laughs> Where were you at when you said you know this would make a great story idea? You know this goes back to my my grandma's funeral,
0: and. My Maybe I don't want to know this story. Oh, boy. get <laughs> <just doesn't laughs> dark really quick here. Just, it's just something that I witnessed. All right. My grandma died. My uncle is always, everybody's got that uncle. I have right? all
2: those uncles.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I've got that uncle. And he's always, always hit on girls. And he was, you know, he was divorced. It was his, you know, he was in between his fifth and sixth wives. And at the graveside service of his mother, his niece, my cousin, who's you know thirty years younger than than him, had a had a friend of hers there for moral support, and here's my uncle hitting on his niece's friend, who was in college at the time. Wow!
1: So that's where I got the idea of the story, and the D and D and everything just just fell into place because you're already you're you're already a geek of that nature, anyways. Yeah, well, yeah, all, all the nerd stuff, well, that was easy for me. Well, you're in good company here, so don't worry about that. Awesome. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> there's, there's no shame in any of that there. Yeah. Um, well, let's jump into your books. Um, we're going to start off with What Lurks Beyond the Paranormal in Your Backyard. Um, your state is a lot weirder than I ever would have guessed that it was. Uh, how did you go about, I know we're, gonna, we're jumping into the Wayback Machine now, how did you go about putting this book together? You know, because you you strike me from the books that I've read from you, you strike me as a person that doesn't mind getting in the car and getting out of the house and getting away from the wife and kids as much as humanly possible.
0: Right, except for tonight because they're uh, they're visiting uh, visiting grandma and grandpa, so I'm at home alone.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, so I'm not wearing pants, and you I haven't to flushed that. the toilet all day.
2: Kind of creepy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the dude abides. To keep up with- as a matter of fact, I'm wearing my uh, my uh, sweater from the Big Lebowski that the uh, the dude wore as we're speaking. <laughs>
2: Not creepy at all.
0: No. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving forward, how, how I came up with the idea? I just it was from um, I I wrote a newspaper column, which was my blog from the shadows that that stemmed from a newspaper column on paranormal topics that I wrote for about four and a half years, and it was kind of tough when I started to get to get to get you know to get people to talk to me. And and when, you know, I've got a couple of books published and my column had been in the paper for quite a while. Um, people started approaching me because they knew I wasn't going to make fun of them. That's the big hurdle. <laughs> they knew I was going to take them seriously. And I noticed that I'm getting all of these, you know, story ideas of, of these really creepy things from Missouri. And a lot from the area where I was living right now. So I just I just an idea popped in my head. I wonder how many paranormal things I can find within a hundred miles of my house. So I put a pin in a map, measured a piece of string that would be a hundred miles, drew a circle. And inside that circle, I found all the, all the paranormal things I could find. And there were more than enough to fill a book. I, I, uh, I left out a number of, of stories because they were haunting stories and kind of repetitious from what I already had in there. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty shocked at the volume of creepiness that uh, that I could come up with.
1: Well, <laughs> let's ask you about some of it. Lobo, did you want to go first?
2: Um, uh, or- yeah. I mean, is it okay if we start with uh, um, what lurks? Yeah, would, we start out with that? I,
0: I'm at your mercy, gentlemen. Start out however you want. Okay, How many beers
2: do so... you got
1: in you right now? Two beers? <laughs> I mean I we... uh, one and a half. Alright, we got a little oh. bit
2: yet, so let's get going. <laughs> okay, so um the first I mean i the the book itself is great. I mean out of out of all the stories in it, there was only one that was kinda like, eh. But that's because it had to do with a dog. Everything oh. else Come on, yeah. that was that was a great no, story. No, I'm not saying it's bad. He's I'm, like you I'm, asshole. That was my favorite. <laughs> we could have <laughs> picked any story,
1: and he would have been like, "That was my favorite story." You suck.
2: <laughs> up to the rest of the stories. That's the only one that was eh, compared to all the rest of them. All and right. I'm not saying that that one was bad because a Wonder Dog is a, is a cool story no matter how you cut it. But uh, I wanted to start off with something fell from the sky, the uh, the event in Skidmore. Right. Okay. So, now, yeah, go ahead. Oh, god,
0: You you got the floor. No, I interrupted you, man. I feel terrible. Come uh, on now. <laughs> what a bad guest. Okay, uh, first I want to set up Skidmore. Yep. Uh, Skidmore is a really small town, and I had heard of it before I moved to where I'm living now, uh, because back in the uh, back in 1980, uh, I, this was made in there. There was a book. Uh, there was a, It was made into a made for TV movie starring Brian Dennehy, back at the time. But do you recollect a story of an entire town getting together and killing the town bully and the mystery never being solved about who killed him? Mm, no. No? Oh, okay. Well, it, was, it was national headlines. And was it called like Tommyknockers?
1: What? Was it called Tommyknockers?
0: No. Okay. Um, Come on, man. Wait, so this is a real life thing that happened, uh, made national news, and it would happen in this town of Skidmore. Okay. Uh, there are also some really creepy things that have happened there. Uh, uh, An 18 year old guy was going to the garage to get jumper cables and he just disappeared. Oh yeah. I remember that. that And there was one about eight years ago, an 18 year old girl who was, who was pregnant. She was eight or nine months pregnant, uh, struck up a friendship with somebody online that she'd never met. That person came over from Kansas, which I guess you shouldn't trust people from Kansas. She came over from Kansas (laughs) and killed the girl and removed the baby. Oh, that's like, right. And went back home and, you know, claimed the baby as her own. Right, you know, right, right. She's in prison right now. But all that stuff happened in this tiny town. So okay. a lot of weird things are, are in just, you know, one one tiny location. And and, and it fell from the sky. That's that's what happened. Um, in 1979, a couple of teenagers were, were walking a soybean field. And for those unfamiliar with, with soybean farmers, um, they pay – Teenagers to walk the bean fields with machetes and cut cut weeds out. So sounds like that, a happening thing. I did it as a kid. You know what? It sword fights were
2: awesome. That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're talking <laughs> about the machetes, right? When you right. sword fights, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, the machetes.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So anyway, t- two of these kids were were walking the bean field and they came upon a uh, uh, a crater, and there were these. Black scorch marks on, on the soybeans like it had come in and hit at an angle, and there were black scorch marks showing, you know, where it left, the exit. Uh, and then, again, the, the crater, and there was – the crater had all of these uh, – what, what the guy described to me, because I, I interviewed one of the kids who's, you know, 60s, in his 60s or whatever now, and he said it looked like somebody taking a really long pencil and pushed a whole bunch of holes straight down all right so they got a hold of the farmer the farmer got a hold of you know of people to come and take a look at it and there were scientists from and and this is right outside of the town where i live i I teach at a university and they they called scientists from the university here to come take a look um the faa came because this is a you know a a fly corridor uh, between kansas city and omaha and and Points elsewhere, so there's a lot of planes that go over. So the FAA came to see if it was something that fell off a plane, uh, and off uh, Offutt Air Force Base, which is spelled just like my last name, is in Omaha, Nebraska. Ooh. And people from you know people, from the Air Force Base came down to take a look at it. And then when the press came out, you know, UFO people from all over the place congregated on this on this little town, and they could never find what hit. It looked like something skipped and they never could find if the thing ever landed again. Um, They couldn't determine. And there there was also this, this bluish gray powder at the bottom of the, uh, um, at at the bottom of the, the the impact crater and they couldn't figure out what it was. So it it was, it was, it was a mystery. The, one of the weird things was um, later in the season when everything had kind of died down and the beans were growing, Uh, Within like a 15 to 20-foot radius around the impact crater, the soybeans grew twice as big as the soybeans from everywhere else in the field. And that was the only spot that didn't have any weeds in it.
2: See, when when I read that, the first thing that came to mind was the initial experimentation with the original variation of Agent Orange. It was made to uh, uh, the guy that was working on it originally wanted it to make uh, soybeans larger and for you to be able to get more than one crop per season out of it. And that was the first thing that came to mind when they're talking about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are there no weeds though? That doesn't make any sense. Right, right. Yeah. That didn't make any, any sense. Whatever the, so ever the farmer joked that
0: he needed to figure out what it was and, and, and sell a formula to Monsanto. <laughs> um. <laughs> But they never could. I mean, it, it, it. Uh, they, they eventually, after the the season was over, they uh, and then a, a crop was harvested. They, they plowed, uh, plowed back and forth over the crater until it was mostly filled in. Um, and after that, everything you know grew like it normally, normally had before. But uh, that was a mystery of what hit the what hit the earth there. Why did it leave scorch marks? Because they weren't burn marks.
2: The the scientists
0: uh, said that they were looked like chemical scorch marks and, and yeah. not burns.
2: It's just that, that when I was reading that, it was uh, it was very reminiscent of um Roe and I before we started recording were talking about uh, Lovecraft. And this is stuff that happened in real life and it reminds me of uh, the color out of space from Lovecraft. Something landed, bad shit happened, stuff grew crazy, and then people died. But no one died in it. <laughs> so
0: that we know of, because something, because they harvested those soybeans, they went somewhere. Yeah, Isn't I was gonna true? ask. I
1: wonder who ate those
0: soybeans. Who ate the bean? Yeah, what happened to it? I I don't know. Yeah, and you know, not all of Lovecraft stuff was 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 you know entirely you know based on his imagination. I I did a piece recently. Um, Vermont, they had a creature that was kind of like a uh, a manticore uh, that kept appearing and uh, the locals called it the awful and lovecraft Mm -hmm. went to try and get a glimpse of the awful and interviewed people and and wrote (laughs) wrote wrote a story based on the creature yeah
1: Yeah. yep good stuff (laughs) what was the story you had in there about the ufo that was dropping slag on the ground molten slag
0: oh yeah that was in uh uh council bluffs iowa um, which is right across the Missouri River from uh, from De- uh, from uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Um, this was in ooh, I'm trying to remember I think the early early 1970s. Uh, I, I interviewed well oh, let me um, let me take a step back if if I will and and talk more about about Skidmore because this is just has this just has something to do with our government. Uh, I sent a Freedom of Information Act request to uh, the FAA. And they got back with me no problem. I sent it to the to the Offutt Air Force base to try because it's documented proof that they sent people down to investigate. So I sent a request to them and I got a rejection. I wrote it again, sent it back. I got a Freedom of Information Act request uh, rejected uh, from the Air Force. So. I called off at Air Force Base and talked to the person who rejected my letter. Oh I don't put up with any shit. No, <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't talked to this you. person and, and she said, um, Yes, yes, uh, you know, we do have some uh, do have some files on that, but you did not word your request uh, correctly. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Oh great, this is terrific. They've got information. I didn't I didn't, you know, word it correctly. I said How should I word it to get the information? She said, I can't tell you that and hung up on me. What? (laughs) You douche
2: weasel. Really?
0: I tried a few more times and got nothing, and I figured that, you know, it was just uh, an exercise in futility. Wow. You clearly
1: should have used an apostrophe where you used a period. That, sir, prevents you from getting information. It could have been something that's small.
0: Yeah, the Oxford comma. I didn't use the Oxford comma.
1: (laughs) You do realize that I am a teacher, madam. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Yeah, well, can you ask about the, uh, yeah, the the slag? This was uh, early 1970s. Uh, Jacques Vallée actually went to Council Bluffs and investigated this. Um, I I, I interviewed a guy who he was, he and a girl were driving through Big Lake Park, which is about as creative as they can get. Uh, There was a big lake and it was a park. Well, you know, so it's
1: Big Lake Park anyway. He was driving. <laughs> Big that Lake reminds Park. me. I'm sorry, that reminds me of 16 candles. Nobody's gonna remember this. Remember the part where Big Duck Dong? And they're like, Dong, where's my automobile? He's like, driving, Big Lake. Yeah. yeah, Big Lake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just totally ruined the story. Go ahead, that's okay. Poor Long Duck Dong. What has he been in since then? I don't know. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, anyway, so they were they were driving through the park and there was they, they saw a light uh, it was it was uh, like a, a big white ball hanging in the sky and there was a uh, uh, like a red light uh, along the, the center of it and all of a sudden something red dropped from the bottom of it and the light took off up into the sky. Well they meandered around the park and they, they ran into some other people who were standing outside their vehicle and they said did you see that and they described exactly what this you know this couple had seen and uh, so the guy who was the son of the assistant fire chief, uh, drove to the spot. And by the time they got there, the fire department was there. And since his dad was the assistant chief, his dad let him come up and it was just a big pile of slag in the snow. The snow had melted, of course, cause it was hot. It was still so hot in the, the center it was still uh, showing like a whitish blue. It was that hot. Um, You know, eventually it cooled down enough to where they broke it up and and took it away. And they didn't know what it was. They were trying to figure out where it could have come from. And there was a railroad track nearby. And and when they had it analyzed, it was just, it was smelter slag. That's all it was. And somebody suggested, well, you know, maybe somebody dumped it from the railroad track. Well, you know, that was 50 yards away. (laughs) That's not going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> um, nobody was going to bring a truck full of molten slag and dump it in the park. And it's well, still how do you be keep
1: it that hot in, in a truck, you know, it's, you
0: can't, that's the point. You can't, you yeah, can't. Right? You, so, I mean, Jacques, Jacques Vallée, he actually wrote a, wrote a paper, not just on this, but on a similar, um, the similar scenarios that had happened literally all over the world, you know, Europe, South America, uh, Africa, Asia, all over the place. And it was the same situation uh a a light or a vehicle in the sky dropped smelter slag and the conclusion that, that he came to was maybe these uh these craft were extracting you know metals extracting something from the earth and they took all the stuff they could use and dumped everything they couldn't use and what they couldn't use just happens to be the same stuff we can't use which ended up being being the slag.
1: So they dumped their porta potty wherever they felt like for the most part. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, yeah, it was just like an airplane opening up and letting, letting the toilets.
2: You know <laughs> what? If they're dumping that, I don't ever want to meet them.
1: I've also read stories. When, again, these are stories. You hear it in the ufology world all the time about how some kind of advanced alien drive where they've got some kind of molten metal that they run in a circle around the reactor, which gives it energy or does something like that. Because like you said, there are multiple stories like this of these things just dropping slag out of them or, or leaking out of them and then disappearing and taking off, you know, just randomly dropping just hot metal everywhere, which would kind of suck. It would be a little bit worse than like a bird crapping on your car. You come out and like a UFO just shit slag all over your car instead. Um, where's, but, where's,
0: uh, the front, where's
1: the front half of my car? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the new commercial you see on TV. Yep, we covered it. it happened back in 1982 when you see the UFO dropping slag on a car. You know, the new farmer's insurance commercial. Um, (laughs) No, seriously, I probably haven't seen them yet. Um, No. But um, you've got a lot of UFO-oriented stories in here. You've got one for Cowtown USA, uh, Ashland, Nebraska. Um, (laughs) I I just did not believe that a state like Missouri, which is pretty much, I think Missouri, I think cornfields. You know or wheat or something like that i don't think of strange stuff like this um well it's there i mean it wasn't just it wasn't just missouri because i'm I'm up in the
0: northwest corner of the state so a hundred mile radius of my house uh took me i mean ashland nebraska is almost to omaha that's about a that's like 99 miles away um so i mean it was it was kansas uh you know missouri kansas uh, omaha or nebraska and, and, and iowa but yeah you're right what do you think of you know when you think of, of nebraska it's corn uh iowa the field of dreams um kansas well what's
1: the one in here you got about Wheat. the haunted town there's a haunted city or something like that
0: in in kansas yes it's uh atchison kansas uh there are uh, a number of really haunted uh, haunted places in in, in atchison um uh, the cray museum is uh is 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 supposedly haunted it's a pretty passive haunting though it's you know, former owner doesn't like the new people. That, that sort of thing. There's also a uh, a piece I just did for the uh, uh, Saint Joseph, uh, Missouri. is the biggest town that we have nearest. It's about eighty thousand people, a little bit less than that. And I and for for last last uh, last Halloween they had me on to discuss a place in in Atchison, Kansas called Molly's Hollow, where a uh, woman uh, was you know supposedly uh, you know. Hanged back in, you know, the early part of the 1900s, and if you uh, scream her name at the bottom, lowest part of the hill, uh, uh, you know, she screams back at you. It's again pretty passive, but let's go to the most haunted spot in that town, and it's a place called the Sally House. You may have heard of that because it's been all, on all the ghost hunting shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's one place. I just interviewed people. I don't get. I don't get weird feelings generally. I don't think I'm I'm sensitive to to the paranormal at all. But I pulled up in front of that house and I was scared to freaking death. I didn't get out <laughs> of my car. And I interviewed a ton of people. Uh, the owners didn't want to talk to me, but the paranormal investigators that that frequent the place they they talked with me. Um, one of them told me that uh, you know she's been there enough. One of the ghosts had followed her home. Oh God! <laughs> uh, uh, nope. to, to the point that yes yeah, the phone would ring she'd pick up the phone and she'd hear breathing and when she'd go to another room the, the other phone because at the time when I was interviewing her they still had a landline they, the other phone in the, her bedroom had been off the hook oh dear that sort of thing
2: yeah that doesn't seem like a yeah that's a big no
0: <laughs> right when something follows you home you
2: stop typically Unless you wanted to come with you,
1: what was the last one you wanted to cover in this one, level?
2: Uh, well, we guy, have to, had a
1: whole bunch, yeah. I did have a whole
2: bunch, <laughs> but I mean, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about the one story that had to do with the big fella Jim the Wonder Dog. No, not the <laughs> Wonder Dog, the Bigfoot, foot, big, big foot in my
0: backyard, the yeah, the big, the big monkey. Um, trying to remember uh did I, have to, I, did I have two stories in there about the big monkey yes yes uh, there was one that was back in the 1930s i'm thinking maybe it was that one yep. um he uh or he yeah uh, there was a uh a logging camp this the northwest missouri's got lots of trees and i'm assuming they had lots more trees back back in the days but yes yeah, the 1930s um uh uh a preacher had retired from preaching because it didn't make any money and he had a wife and kids and he decided to become a logger and people kept noticing that this really tall hairy creature would hang around the logging camp. It really didn't cause any problems. It was just, it just stare at them. Um, it, it was so big that the big logging truck they had, it could lean against the bed of the truck, uh, its elbow on the top of the bed uh, so, I mean, it was maybe nine, ten feet tall, but it would just stare at them and the men would, you know, yell at it and and, and it would run run off into the woods. Uh, the, the the main story from that is uh, one. We're just going to yell at month, Bigfoot. Get off my truck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Better sorry. than arm wrestling. What are you going to what are you going to challenge it? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, you go get out of here. You get. Yeah. <laughs> One night a month, they'd get paid, and all the men'd go into town, and and get drunk, and the guy, being a retired preacher, he'd go go in with them. Um, well, his wife one night was just furious because, um, you know, she thought he was he's probably fooling around f- fooling around on her. So she was sitting on the porch, you know, waiting for him to come back home, and she was she was you know on the porch knitting, not paying attention to anything because she was seething in anger, and then she heard the porch creek and she was thinking okay he's home i'm gonna lay into him now and she turned around and this thing was standing on the porch <laughs> and uh, <nope. laughs> she lets out a scream and it gets off the porch but it doesn't really leave it backs away and then the men come home and they see it and get their guns and go chasing after it and uh, the wife convinced her husband that you know maybe we should go back to preaching
2: <laughs> Maybe we should go back to preaching. That yes, that would be a good yeah. idea. Yes. That's I mean okay, I, I can't let this go. We have to we have to you have to cover one more for me. Uh the axe murder house. All right.
0: Axe murder house <laughs> in Villisca, Iowa. Um yes. it's about fifty miles north of where I'm living. Um in nineteen twelve, the J. B. Moore family uh there's one <sighs> july afternoon there was a church picnic they went to the church picnic uh they have three kids and the kids were friends with uh the stillinger children there were two of them and they asked you know hey can you know the stillingers come home with us and spend the night they said sure let's let's all go so they went home Um, kids played for a bit and then when it got dark everybody went to bed the dad did as he always did when he came home. He emptied his pockets on the kitchen table. So his wallet, all his money, keys, knife, whatever he kept in his pockets, uh, it was on the kitchen table. So everybody went to bed. There had been a man, which they assumed was a man, waiting in, in the attic. Mm-hmm. When the house was quiet. He came down out of the attic and killed everybody with an ax. <laughs> Everybody he killed with the – with the, it was a single-bladed axe. Everybody he yep. killed with the flat part. Uh, they think one of the kids had woken up because her forearm was broken. They thought maybe she had you know, raised her arm to shield herself from the blow mm-hmm. um, unsuccessfully. But J.B. Stillinger, the dad, was killed with the bladed part. Yep. The uh, murderer then covered all of the mirrors with, uh, with sheets. Mm-hmm. And took bacon out of the pantry, rubbed it all over his feet, and left. Yep. <laughs> the bacon was to, uh, you know, not you know the the dogs, uh, the dogs yep. that would be hunting for him to take them off track, and they never solved the mystery. The town was about 1,200 people, scared the hell out of everybody. Um, apparently, the uh, the hardware store sold out of locks the next day.
2: Yep. See yeah. now, the reason why I had to ask you this is because. Two weeks ago, I was actually watching or listening to a podcast, and I can't remember the name of the podcast, but it had to do with this story. And I was like, hmm. And then I started reading this, and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) He covers it in the book. (laughs) And you are actually more, you have more information, and it's more interesting the way you wrote it than what they covered on the podcast. Well,
0: let me just say hell yes. (laughs) it was really cool. Well, and one of the things that, uh, that, that I, I don't remember if I got into in the book. Um, I took a class there. I taught a class called paranormal journalism one semester. Mm -hmm. And, and this was a reporting class and I had all my students write about, you know, interview people who'd experienced, you know, the paranormal and write about, they wrote about paranormal topics with a straight face because I hate listening to the news you know, if, if the TV news does a uh, UFO encounter, they play it's the X-Files. It's always music. X-Files. Oh. Yep, I was always. <laughs> It's always, always X-Files music. music. If something's on Ghost, they reference the Ghostbusters. You know, it, it, even Ugh. if they handle the story seriously, since they do that, it belittles the whole thing. So yep. I wanted to teach my students how to handle these topics seriously, and they, and they all did. But I took them on a field trip to the Velisca Axe Murder House. Best field trip ever. That's so Baby. awesome. Yes. That
1: is so awesome. And you're, you're a college happened. professor, right? Is that you, you do yes. teach at college? Okay. Let's, yes. You're, you're not a kindergarten teacher or something like yeah. that. That would have well, been even you know, better. That, that, that would have been, been grown, even
0: better. <laughs> that would have grown them up fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, there were some little weird things that happened there that night, but I'll just, I'll just tell you the coolest thing that happened. Okay. There was one student, his first name was Stratton. Mm-hmm. And, and I had, I told everybody in the van on the way up, I said, guys, don't be, don't be like Zach on Ghost Adventures, okay? Don't yell at the ghosts. Don't challenge them. Don't do any of this. Just be, be polite. And this, this kid named Stratton said, "Oh, I'm going to be a jerk," and he was. He would yell at the ghost. He, he would, you know, challenge him. Come Beavis? out. <laughs> Jesus well, no, the name Stratton is important. Okay. Later in the evening, he kind of calmed down and he laid down in one of the murder beds and just was quiet. And one of my students had brought a frank's box which mm. I thought was complete BS, you know, whatever. You know, it picks up static. If a word comes through, you know, it's probably picking, you know, a word out of the out of the airwaves somewhere. So we we were in in the pantry, which is a fairly big room for a pantry, and it was really cold in there. And the guy said, "Is there, are there anybody in this room?" And the static was shh. Yes. Okay, cool. A dude's voice just answered the question. Still, you can pick a yes out of the air. And he started asking a bunch of other questions, and the same voice answered with a yes or a no. And then he finally asked, do you want us here? Shh, no. Is there somebody upsetting you? Shh, yes. Who's upsetting you? Shh, Stratton. No, get out of here. Dead serious, man. (laughs) Dead serious. It was at that point I realized maybe, you know, this Frank's box actually works. Oh, I've always thought those are oh. the biggest gimmick, and in- so so did I, so <sighs> did I, you know, and if it would have picked a Jim or a John out of the air, I would have still thought it was, you know, just picking words at random out of the airwaves, but Stratton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh,
2: that's not a name you hear very often. No. Wow, that's freaking cool.
1: Well, let's move out of uh, the realm of the paranormal, since that is what you've moved out of, which is understandably fine. Um I've got a copy of Across a Grain-Swept Land. Corn-swept land, I'm sorry. Um, give me the lowdown on this book, because this is one of the ones that I wanted to have you on a while ago about to interview you, and it just it just never came together. This, it it sounds to me like you just got sick of the wife and kids, grabbed the minivan, and said, I'm going to go to Canada <laughs> and buy some beer, for the most part.
0: <laughs> well, I, I can't officially agree with that. It's pretty close. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty close. close. Okay. Yeah, I, we've got this big wall map in in our house. My wife came home from a garage sale with this enormous wall map, and she's like, let's put it up. It makes us look smart. Cool, let's do that. Um, so it's on the wall, and I was looking at it one day because I've always always liked maps, and I noticed that Canada was like an inch and a quarter away from my town. And I'm like, I can do an inch and a quarter, no problem. An inch I can a quarter? it. <laughs> yeah. You're so, not a cartographer, are you? <laughs> no, it ended up being an 11 hour drive, but you oh, know, you still, go. 11 hours—it's nothing. I we spend that. It was the same amount of time I'd spend driving to my in-laws in Texas, but it was in the opposite direction. So, I mean, it was a win-win, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, I drove to Canada, and I was thinking, why should I drive to Canada? To bring back Canadian beer? Sure. Because I've I've got Canadian friends, and they've told me we don't we don't export the good stuff. We give you guys the garbage.
1: Yeah, the problem with Canadian beer, when you go up there to buy, because I've done this before, because I live in Detroit, and and Windsor is like right over the bridge. Um, It's weird when you go to Canada, apologies to Canadian listeners, you don't go to a grocery store to buy beer, you go to a beer store, which if you're a beer drinker, is a beloved heaven of beer. And when we went in there, we were like, let's not buy beer by name, let's buy the beer by alcohol content. So we were like, this is 9.5, this is 6.2, this is blah, 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 and you're not really paying attention to the names of the beer or what the beer is, and a lot of that high alcohol beer just tastes like shit. It tastes like somebody took whiskey and mixed it with like Pabst or... It's you know, bad. it's, it's not, it, it was just, it's just like
0: from what I'm hearing. It's just like in, in high school, picking up mad dog 2020. Sure. This wine yeah. has a high alcohol content, but it's garbage.
1: Yeah. And so we yeah. were like, let's try that. I mean, a couple of them were okay, but you know, they're, you've got like at the time Labatt triple X wasn't available in America and Molson maximum ice wasn't available in America. So, I, you know, we were, um, we, I was on a paintball team. <laughs> And we were playing a big tournament in Toronto, so we stopped and bought all this beer. The hangover the next day was horrendous.
2: <laughs> it was amateur,
1: really, really bad. Like, I'm never going to ever do that ever, ever again. And but, you did, didn't you? No, no, I never did. I would never, ever forget that. Because plus the amateur. other thing is, a lot of the beer just didn't taste all that great. Again, apologies, Canadian listeners, but they're probably laughing at me saying this right now because they do, they know I bought the shitty stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the woman at the beer store, she's just nodding her head and laughing at us, and we're like, yeah, we're from from over the river, which is what we say here, because we've got the Detroit River that separates uh, Windsor and Detroit. Like, yeah, we're from over the river. Um, And this was years ago. This was long before 9-11, and it was a lot easier to get into Canada back then. So she was just laughing and stuff. But... um, yeah, I'd never been to a beer store before, you know, to walk into the store, and they have, like, they had this conveyor belt where if you wanted to, you could order it, and they would send it out on a conveyor belt, and you just pick your cases off of the conveyor belt. Hey,
0: just like on Strange Brew. I was just going
1: to say Strange yeah. Brew. Oh,
0: Jesus. One of the
1: best, one of the, one of probably one of the best hockey movies ever made. You hoser. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm Darth Vader.
1: <laughs> Come <laughs> off to the dark side, you knob. <laughs>
2: still a good movie it is they fed the
1: beer to the dog (laughs) and ted was like i want my beer so they think they dumped it out of the dog bowl back into the uh into the beer bottle one (laughs) of the great canadian movies it was it was great so anyways um back to your story anyways going to canada buy beer i'm sorry i had to interrupt you go ahead oh no that's okay and well
0: the the beer store made me think of i stopped at uh, uh overnight in Sauk center uh minnesota and uh They had a uh, liquor store that was the biggest one I've ever seen in my life. It was like a barn, and it was just it was full of beer and whiskey. There was a little bit of wine, but it was mostly beer and whiskey. I almost (laughs) You ever been out to
2: uh, New England (laughs) or down in (laughs) Kentucky? No, is
0: that common? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it isn't how far north
2: you
1: go. (laughs) That's okay. Hey, there was dead air right there. So, anyways, so that was the the whole idea was to drive to Canada to buy beer, and you end up hitting all of these sites on the way. This well, is I kind never, of like what lurks in your backyard, but nothing paranormal. just weird bizarre stuff
0: right right then that, then that was I mean the excuse was to buy beer, but what I was really doing was was you know stopping at you know it's a travel book. it's a humorous travel log and I wanted to hit all of the, um, you know, the the historical, interesting, and weird places on US 71, this one stretch of highway that goes from my town to um, um, uh, it ends at, at the river at Fort Francis, Ontario. So, I mean, I just drove north. I asked people what I should take, and a lot of people said, you get a GPS. I'm like, Canada's north. I'm not going <laughs> to not hit it, okay? <laughs> okay so I, I did. I got to Canada just fine. Uh. But I found so many cool things. There was, There is a uh, an Iowa Maritime Museum.
2: Huh?
0: Yeah, I know. I thought the same what? thing.
2: Why would you there...
0: Okay. Okay, it's it's in an area with uh, uh, these glacial lakes that are freaking beautiful, um, but it's yeah they've got all sorts of uh, of navy stuff and uh, uh, they've got a uh, an old uh, you know diving costume that, that looked like Captain Cutler from uh, from Scooby Doo. Nice uh, uh, the rock and roll museum, which you know they've got a rock and roll history, main, mainly you know dead rock stars from the nineteen fifties. Uh, yeah, that's where. Uh, you know, the Big Bopper and Richie Valens yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, Buddy Holly died. Uh, yeah. uh, I found this was, I mean, I did a lot of research on places. Uh, one I just stumbled upon, which was awesome because I'm really big into uh, into archaeology and anthropology and that sort of thing, was by Jeffers. Uh, it was called Jeffers, uh, Jeffers Petroglyphs. And there were these 5,000-year-old field of these rocks. And American Indians have been coming here again, for 5,000 years. I mean, the rocks have been there for longer, but they've been carving petroglyphs for thousands of years. And they still come because it's a, it's a holy site. And it really bothered me that it was a holy site because the, the guest house was closed and I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't do it on the holy ground. So I had to just, (laughs) I had to look at everything really fast and take off, get out of there. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of cool, cool things. There's, on a, uh, a dirt road in the middle of Iowa, there is a Cabbage Patch Doll Museum. What? Oh, yeah. That's I where mean, they came I- from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I- they have a
2: museum that's just Cabbage Patch Kids? huh It's just Cabbage Patch Dolls. That's yep. creepy as hell, man. Well, yeah. not
0: only creepy, but it was on a gravel road. That's okay? even worse. I get there, and I think, you know, I'm going to go in – and, and say hi to the owner, look at a couple of Cabbage Patch dolls, wake up the next day in a bathtub full of ice without one of my, my kidneys. Okay, that's why I was afraid of.
2: It didn't happen, though. The lady was really nice. Despite but, uh, your best efforts. So yeah. did it say somewhere on the building, Cabbage Patch Museum, and organ harvesting? Is that what came it away? Or? It never had. Organ harvesters never advertised. That's oh, that's where very they- true.
0: That's very- yeah. yeah. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just, just those, the only paranormal thing I had for the whole well, thing. Well, I want to hear
1: more about the Cabbage Patch Museum. So when you, how big is this place? Is it like the size of a house or, you know, because I remember. Of course what,
2: you'd want to hear about this. Well, no, when
1: I, I, when I was a kid, the original Cabbage Patch craze broke right before, I, I think Coleco was into buying the rights to them. And then yep. they went from being a cloth doll to like a plastic head doll. But there was that big rush where everybody, it was like the Tickle Me Elmo craze. You know, everybody everybody had to have one. Yeah.
2: My aunt got one, and at the time, it cost $200. And the original ones,
1: they were cloth, (laughs) and each one of them looked a little bit different. And they had, um, I believe you could buy them at the time also where it was just like cabbage leaves with a baby head in it, where the, you know, you could get like the full cabbage That was the
2: picture. No, they actually... When they
1: first started selling them, before they sold out and became big time, it was just a small company, and they were still really big, because we had a a place up here called the Gibraltar Trade Center which was an indoor flea market and they had two locations one of them I went to today the other one got torn down and went to a holistic yeah. festival today which we'll get into in a little bit I met mm-hmm. Raelians I met the Raelians they were cool people but uh they were selling them at this place and this booth had all these people crammed around it and even as a kid I'm like what the hell they're dolls you know like oh they're cabbage patch dolls aren't they really cute and you could buy the full-fledged no. doll and then they also had the thing you could buy where it was just a head with like cabbage leaves around it and I thought that was the most bizarre thing I'm like, who's going to want to buy a vegetable with a head on it, you know, like a baby head? It was so it was so weird. And then I think within six months they got bought out and then they started appearing at all the stores. And that was when the Cabbage Patch Riot started. And I don't remember what year that was. Cabbage Patch
2: Riot, 1978.
1: Was was it 78? I was going to say, I think it was around 80s or something like that. And I
2: remember that. The original doll was from 78 and then in 85 was they started rolling out bigger. Yeah. Yeah. 82, 85, but 78 was an original Cabbage Patch. So they, it was That's later. when they were cloth face.
1: Yeah, but I remember seeing the cloth ones, and then shortly after, thereafter, they went to the big uh-huh. ones. So you go into the Cabbage Patch Museum, which for one, I didn't think they would still be relevant, but I guess that that's like a piece of Americana that a lot of people, most people of our generation have forgotten about it. You know, older people remember it. So you go into the museum. What is the Cabbage Patch Museum when you get in there? Was it just like a well, couple it, of tables with dolls, or
0: no, 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 no? It's it's pretty pretty big. If uh, the the woman had it in her house originally, but she got so many <laughs> Cabbage Patch dolls oh my God. that she had, a, a, they her and her husband built a built an outbuilding like a, a a garage that would have you know if it was maybe a four or five car extended garage. Okay, it was that big. And it was full of cabbage patch dolls and cabbage patch doll uh, memorabilia uh, so not just cabbage patch dolls, but uh, you know <laughs> they came with uh, you know little houses, little you know kitchen sets um, and there she's got a number of rare ones it's it was actually pretty pretty cool if you're you know into that sort of thing she she had a um, uh, they had a, she had a cabbage patch doll convention and people came in from all over to her you know museum in you know the middle of nowhere
1: iowa on a gravel road um does it look like a lot of people go to this place or were you like the first person that had been there in like six months or something like when they saw you were like oh my god we have a guest here well it was closed uh
2: oh Oh my god
1: canada it was it was
0: closed for the winter not the winter for the summer. It was—I don't know why it was closed. It was closed. For is a month. museum in the summer. <laughs> so I called. The, I called the woman and set up a time. So on my way back from Canada, I stopped by and uh, and, and stopped in. So she opened it especially for me. That's why I was really worried about my kidney. Um, but I mean, she was really nice, and she—I mean, she collected these things for years. So the kidneys so are the dolls <laughs> that people would uh, leave her dolls, and she said that it was wasn't. You know, weird for every day for her to come home and find a Cabbage Patch doll either shoved in her mailbox or taped to the outside,
2: which to me is kind of creepy, man. That's so creepy. Reminds me of the Island of Dolls in Mexico. Right.
1: right. (laughs) So this whole thing still blows me away. Okay, so she would shut down for the summertime because I can imagine I can imagine a Cabbage Patch Museum being the bustling mecca center of. You know, must go in the middle of winter. Um, you know, okay, what, but in the summer, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Mount Rushmore to, or to the Cabbage Patch Museum on a gravel road? Well, what are you going to do in the wintertime? You know, the snowstorms up there aren't exactly gentle. You know, it's like six inches of snow outside. Oh, I'm sorry, six feet of snow outside, kids. Let's pack six up feet. and go to the Cabbage Patch Museum. All right, Dad. And I'm, I'm usually the southern voice way too much for a Midwestern town, but, um, so like what was it what was the price to get this place like 5 bucks 10 bucks a couple of bucks was it you know just pay as you feel or
0: You know what I don't even know because I told her I was writing about it for my book so I got in free I don't pay for things <laughs> I was a journalist for a long time
1: I've never had to pay to get in anywhere Oh my god <laughs> okay so besides the cabbage patch museum tell me something else you found that was that stand out strange along the whole trip you had told me a couple of things before but I don't remember the ones that I know you went to the corn capital the so-called corn capital of the world
0: uh, yeah that was in uh, yeah Olivia I believe it was Olivia as uh, a sweet corn capital of the world yeah they were they were nice people I I was a day early for their sweet corn festival and I was that would if I would have stayed that would have put me completely off my mark Um in uh in audubon iowa i went through there was a uh an enormous statue of a hereford bull uh it's why? And in a couple of movies uh, why well they one of the the there was a cattle baron in town and i don't know why they built this but uh, it's got enormous enormous testicles bull semen excellent yeah uh so I, that, that was kind of odd um there was one paranormal thing I covered. There was uh, going through a small town in uh, in Minnesota. Oh, I can't remember the name of it right now. But this was uh, back in the, uh, in the 60s. Uh, a 19-year-old uh, guy who worked at a radio station, he did the late night shift, was driving home one night, and he topped a hill, and there was a rocket sitting what? in the middle of the road. And all of a sudden, his car died. And he kept trying to, to to turn his car on because you know his main thought was this is in my way i'm going to pull my car up to it and push it over okay cool uh but he got out of the car to get under the hood to see if he couldn't do something with his car to get it to start and a light shone from underneath the rocket and these three little he called them tin can men they were about the size of beer cans and they came down in this light sprouted three legs walked a few feet toward him stared at him for a while turned around got back in the vehicle and the vehicle took off and when the vehicle took off his car came back to life uh, he repeat he reported this to the sheriff's department the sheriff showed up there and there was where the the he said the the thing landed there was uh the, an oil spot um, you know it was that's you know kind of you know, disregard the whole thing as is, is this guy being a little nutty, but a sheriff's deputy in another county saw exactly the same thing flying through the sky very, fairly low uh, on that same night just after the guy had, had reported it.
2: That's
0: uh, messed up. I know. The tin can, man, I would, if I, I would have tried to drink them, I think. I don't know. <laughs> That's great.
1: <clears throat> well, let's move on to probably my favorite book from you um i'll say one thing when i read when i read uh across the Gr- uh, corn swept land i found you to be very very funny i think i went on facebook and made a post about it because up until this point i had only read your paranormal oriented stuff and like you'd actually become like i'm like okay at this point you're moving on from that and you, you were you, it was a really funny read i mean you've got things about how you stop in a hotel and they actually give you a metal key to get into a hotel room and you're like what the fuck what's what's a metal key you know right yeah <laughs> like per hey. hotel it was um, like I was
0: at Howard Johnson's in 1963 again.
1: Yeah, like Norman Bates is going to bust it on you. Right. So let's move on to How to Kill Monsters with Common Household Devices, a book which is only available on Kindle on Amazon. Mm. Um, this book is one of those books where I would be reading it in the middle of the night and I would just start cracking up and my wife would get pissed off and wake up because I'm laughing in bed hysterically, or I'd be sitting at work reading it and I'd be in tears reading it. So what I want to do um, first I need you to go through the rules of how to kill monsters. Um, what was the idea behind writing this book? You know, it is, is, is this something you just sat around the house and you're like, okay, I want to write a book about like, I, I look over and I see a lamp there. Well, if a monster were to bust into the house right now, how would I kill a monster with this lamp?
0: You know, that was, was, that just... was pretty much it, man. I was, yeah, I was sitting around the house <laughs> and seriously, I'm like, okay, if a uh, werewolf came in right now, what do I have lying within about four feet of me that I could use to kill it? And I thought, you know, First, I'd throw the cat at it, because that would okay. throwing a cat at a werewolf would distract it for you know long enough for me to go get something to actually you know actually kill it with. So there's stuff all over the place in your house to kill these to kill monsters that might break in. So uh, yeah, I just decided it
1: could be an entire book. So, do you remember the general rules for killing monsters? Do you need a minute to pull the book up or anything like that? Or
0: oh, what, uh, the first one is is uh, you know, monsters are generally killable all, all all of them uh, the first thing you want to do think about when you're when a monster breaks into your house is are they people mm. if they're people they might look like people all right a, a vampire looks like people a killer robot from the future looks like people a reanimated corpse like a Frankenstein's monster looks like people so make sure that you know if you kill, kill a werewolf that you know if it turns into Seth Green later, that it's really not Seth Green. Okay, mm. so don't kill people's number one. Don't kill right. people. Okay, kill well, people. that's a good good rule of thumb. All right, make sure that what you kill is definitely a monster. Okay, if it's Halloween, you got to be kind of picky. Oh, indeed, <laughs> very true.
2: You, don't right. need to you. you can't
0: just you know because they come to your house all the time. You can't go hacking away if you're at Mardi Gras or if you're in certain parts of New York any part time of the year. You got to be really careful <laughs> about what to kill. Okay. Be on prepared the train. for Hopefully anything. On the train. <laughs> Just be prepared for everything.
2: That's
0: great. Even seeing somebody who looks exactly like you doesn't mean they're your evil twin from a different dimension. You could, but it doesn't <laughs> necessarily mean that. Okay. Measure <laughs> one. Warning, twice. if yeah, actual, if you are an, an actual, actual twin, twin measure one tw- twice, cut once. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: great.
2: Oh my All god. Right
0: you got to make quick you – know, thinking about all this, you have to make quick decisions, okay? Just any any sort of hesitation, could you could be lunch, okay? Never show mercy is another one. This also goes with being a parent. Don't ever show mercy. Kids sense weakness.
2: It's very true.
0: Okay, look for – this is just like you learned in, in a driving class. If you had to take a driving class, look for an out, if you don't have to fight the monster, don't fight the monster. If there's a door, put, or some barrier you can put between yourself and the monster, do it. Okay. If you're a hoarder, that's easy. There was a Japanese guy recently who died because he had like six tons of porn mags.
1: That was a fake story. That was a fake story. It was a fake story. Sorry to burst your bubble. The oh, guy that no. was killed by six tons of porn. Yeah, that was actually a fake news story. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, but those hard. two, those two brothers, what were they? The Collier brothers. One of them was actually crushed by newspaper in his house, so it can't happen. I've
0: I've been in a hoarder's house, and yes, it can happen. Yep, it can happen. If you are at a point of weakness, okay, where do you feel the most safe? Going to sleep at night, huh? right? That, if you're at home, not me. <laughs> you got to rethink me. your relationship there. No, um, you
2: know.
0: Okay, if you're taking a dump, okay, you, you're pretty relaxed, right? You should be, <laughs> unless you're in a public Whoa. toilet. OK, <laughs> be careful when you're there. Um.
1: That's how everybody dies in zombie movies, too. They always get stuck in the bathroom stalls
0: or or in, in Bigfoot movies. I'm trying to think, was it one oh, of the Boggy
1: yeah. Creek movies? Yeah. Where and the was the guy there a guy sitting the on the armor. toilet eating
0: a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken and
1: Bigfoot reaches in the window. So then there yep. was a uh, Jurassic Park where the guy was in the portage or the little bathroom in the, the, the place full apart part in the Tyrannosaurus. Right, the ate him yeah. on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. got
0: to be careful when you're on the toilet. So if you're yeah. in a horror movie,
1: don't take a dump. You should have had that in a chapter, the how place. to recognize you're in a horror movie, too. But go ahead.
0: You're taking a dump. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Well, you're taking yeah. a dump,
0: you're in a horror movie. <laughs> All right, I mentioned the cat. I mentioned throwing the cat at a werewolf, which is a great distractor. Time is your friend. Make sure you have something on you that can distract any kind of a monster. Something shiny or explosive. It doesn't matter. Something shiny uh, or explosive. And then don't fool around. Don't try to get cute. Don't get cocky. That gets you in trouble. If your goal is to kill a monster,
2: kill a monster. Those are the rules. Seems pretty pretty good. I gave you the choice before the show.
1: I asked you a couple of days ago if you would do a reading from this, but I'm not sure if you actually want to do a reading of a small chapter. Or would you prefer that I just pick a monster and say, you know, how do I kill the monster or do you have a particular monster that you would like to talk about killing and going to go into it from there? How do you want to do this? I,
0: well, it's it doesn't it you know, it it, it really doesn't matter to me. I've, I've got the, the book pulled up. I can do a reading if you'd like. Sure, or, go right ahead.
1: How, how much of it do you want me to do? As much as you're comfortable with, because it's funny. <laughs> so it would be better if it came out of your mouth, because then the tone and inflection would be proper. I know you've probably never done anything. You've probably never actually done a reading from your book. So this is going to be a first-time experience for you. And we're glad we're here for you in this moment.
0: And and you know what? You're absolutely correct. I've never done a reading from my book. So uh, here we go. Let's – Chapter 5, Space Aliens. That's that's what I've got up right now. All right. The noise drags you from sleep. Tired eyes scan the dim grayness of night, but nothing's out of place. The bookshelf, the computer, the evil clown lurking in the corner waiting to swallow your soul. Nothing. Nothing. No, wait, the clown's just a coat on a chair. You might live through another night. Then there's the noise again, sort of scraping. The bedroom door slowly moves and a gray spindly figure with big black eyes and a head like a canned ham shuffles in. (laughs) At first you think, gee, E.T. really let himself go. Then things get weird. This thin gray figure takes you from the relative comfort of your house, puts you in a strange place, pokes you, prods you, messes with your reproductive organs, and you don't remember anything in the morning. Sounds like a night out with a Kardashian, but no. You've been (laughs) abducted by aliens. Uh, This abduction scenario has replayed itself for centuries upon centuries and across every continent on Earth. According to UFO abductors. I did look
1: up. We lost you. (laughs) We completely lost you. Using what? We completely lost you. Who did? We did it. His Skype went out. We, we lost him. Not here. I heard him fight for the whole thing. I didn't. <laughs> Damn it. Go ahead. Just keep going. I'll have to do clever editing. Keep going.
0: All right. Uh, this abduction scenario has replayed itself for centuries upon centuries across every continent on Earth. According to UFO abduction researchers, about 6% of the human population worldwide is abducted yearly. Using today's population numbers, that translates to 406,514,144 people, or approximately the entire population of North America. If aliens were to abduct every North American the day before Black Friday or Valentine's Day, the world world's economy would disintegrate like so many Death Stars. <laughs> One of the first recorded alien encounters. Oh, I'm going to get into religion right now, so I can stop right here. You can skip it. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me guess. Wheels upon wheels. Wheels upon wheels. I go into wheels upon wheels. Nice.
1: Okay. So uh, you've been abducted by aliens. What do we do from that point on? Once we've established that you've been abducted by aliens, what is the next step in the process?
0: Uh, How do I identify a space alien? A space alien is someone, or more usually something, that came to Earth from outside our atmosphere, probably without a work visa. This also means they're illegal aliens and are taking jobs away from hardworking Americans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, sure, these illegal space aliens have taken jobs most of us don't want to new, do like probing and cooking in Chinese restaurants, but they're also creating human-alien hybrids to take over the Earth. With these hybrid, Will these hybrids still want to make General So's chicken for the buffet after they control the planet? I highly doubt it. Our lunchtime will be in shambles.
2: Mmm. Shamble lunch.
1: Shamble <laughs> lunch. <laughs> the guy that created General So's chicken just passed away a little bit ago.
0: You know, yeah. night, 2016 was terrible. He he passed away. The uh, uh, if you've done any sort of uh, home repairs, the person who invented the uh, uh, the uh, drywall anchor, he passed. Really? Away. Yep. Wow. The man who invented the uh, red solo cup is dead. Wow. Oh yeah, Dude,
1: yeah.
2: All
0: 2016. Damn it. Yep. Oh, and the guy who invented, invented the Big Mac also died in 2016.
2: Yep. I yep. love the. I had Big Macs
1: today. Oh yeah, tell us about space alien powers. Okay. Um, <laughs> Back to Space Aliens. Lord, matter
0: just, I'll just continue here. I'll, okay. I'll read some more from Space Aliens. Uh, to say space aliens is having powers, or to say space aliens have powers is like saying 1970s Elvis had the baddest sideburns ever. Elvis' sideburns were so big they probably had their own ecosystems. Yes, space aliens have powers. These aliens come to our planet from across the void of space without the help of Han Solo, Mr. Spock, or Crypto the Superdog. That's impressive. Some of these aliens might be bigger than us, some might be stronger than us, some might even be able to juggle, but their major advantage is all of them are smarter than we are. Intelligence is power. Natural power like the ability to walk through solid objects depends on the space alien. Of these, there are 6 major types, the Grays. Aboard interstellar spaceships, Grays are the screech of space aliens. They're nerds cooler, they're they're nerds, cooler aliens shoved into lockers in high school, but these guys are also the probers. Average Americans can't cringe to hear about. They hypnotize us, abduct us, give us colonoscopies whether we need them or not, return us to our home or car in the middle of the or, or in the middle of nowhere, and we can't remember a thing. To us, the greys are the Jedi mind trick jerks, and they, every encounter with them is like that bad party in college where we make a nauseous we we wake up nauseous wearing somebody else's under, underpants. It's not fun. <laughs> Then there's the Manus. These big exoskeleton wearing monsters have one major power humans understand. If we see one, some part of our body falls off, usually our head. These walking horrors don't even have to touch us. They're that frightening. It's a lot like the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's arguing with Daffy Duck about duck season. Daffy's bill falls right off. It happens, folks. It happens. The Manus aliens have more powers than Lou Ferrigno, David Copperfield, and the entire Justice League, but we don't know because it If a human sees a praying mantis the size of Jeremy Lin, none of the other powers matter because, like I said, our heads fall off. The Reptilians. These beasts possess the pure brute strength of Hercules. They're seven feet tall, they have three rows of needle-sharp teeth, and they want nothing more than to take over our planet by turning the human race into billions of Big Macs. Yeah, I don't need to go on, except to tell you they're really, really hungry. The Nordics, these tall, athletic, blonde, blue-eyed fantasy beings, are what we dream about in high school before we realize most people look like us instead of what we see on TV. But they're not the hot foreign exchange Swedish students who's only in town for a semester. These are hot, way foreign, and in town for a few hours to warn us of nuclear proliferation. Then they're flying back home to stock Five, a planet that revolves around the star Huge buobsalon. What's their power? (laughs) A body like nobody's business. Yes, ma'am. I will listen to your monologue of the evils of atomic warfare, but spooning would really, really help me uh, help my retention rate. Nice. Alf eats cats and hot girls from Venus. Their power is the fact that they want to mate with losers like Abbott and Costello just to repopulate their desolate, desolate world. Unfortunately for them, since the surface of their world is 894 degrees, they mate with losers for nothing. <laughs>
1: All right, you don't have to go much further with it. That's fine.
2: <laughs> we want people to buy the book. So it's right, not an expensive right. book.
1: I'm... It's it's fairly cheap. I think it's like a couple of bucks, maybe four, four, four bucks or something like that. I'm not I don't remember exactly. It's not, maybe three
0: ninety nine something like that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's not an expensive buy. It's worth if you've got a Kindle. It's a great. It's it's a good cheap laugh, and I don't mean cheap. Well, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> it's it's worth picking up though. It's I I really did laugh my ass off at it. We were reading last week. I was reading off the air the uh, the werewolf section. And uh, before we actually hit record or after we hit record, I don't remember what. And I was like, I really, really need to bring this up. But um, I'm going to ask you one last thing about this, and then we'll move on to your short story book, which is the most recent one. Since you brought up bathroom vulnerability and weakness and dying when you're in the bathroom, from as you mentioned in this book, what would a well-stocked bathroom need to defend yourself in a monster attack situation? It already has it. Ooh. What bathroom doesn't have
0: nail clippers?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Scissors, cleaning, uh, cleaning supplies. Okay, seriously, ammonia. Uh, the back of the toilet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things are extremely heavy, and you can drown something.
2: Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can.
0: Oh yeah, you can.
2: <laughs> That's great. What
1: the hell? You this totally left out feminine so need products. Awesome. <laughs> feminine what? Never mind. I said feminine need products so they said meat products
2: what the hell what's in your bathroom yes yes that'll work just fine (laughs)
1: wow so let's move on to road closed this is your first attempt at horror
0: well it's my first book of horror i've been attempting it for a long time
2: (laughs) attempting it for a while now uh
1: this is all a book of short stories um is this available in hardcover form or is it only available in kindle as well
2: no it's it's it's
0: available in hardcover as well yes
1: okay um I get a real vibe from reading a lot of your stuff that you're somebody who gets a lot of their ideas while being out on the road and traveling do you do a lot of traveling do you are you like a let's get the family together and go travel kind of person or uh,
0: yes I, mean, I don't get me wrong I love just sitting around the house and doing nothing but yeah I love going and, and seeing things and going places the the the, the you know the story that uh, you know the, the book's named after road closed was we were uh, in the middle of Oklahoma. And I saw a sign in front of a road covered by trees, and it said "road closed." I'm like, "Okay, say, okay, I know what's going on here." So yeah, I just I I love going places, and and uh, you know things really you know really spur my imagination when I'm when I'm on the road.
1: I get the the impression in my head that you'll be the guy that's driving, and the kids will be in the back sleep sleeping, and it'll be nighttime, and the wife will be passed out, and then your brain will just start clicking about coming up with stories or something like that. There's, you know, do you do you keep a notebook when you're out doing this stuff or do you just try to log it off somewhere and try to go back to it later on when you're writing? I have a notebook on me, a notebook and pin
0: on me at all times. Uh-huh. Cuz you never can tell when a, when an idea is going to pop up and and if it's in the middle of the night and I'm in the in the, and my wife's passed out in the, in the passenger seat, I will wake her up and ask her to write things down. Oh God. <laughs> nice. Seriously. I'm not going to, I mean, she's cool with it. She's fine with it. Cause she can go right back to sleep. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to try and write anything down while I'm driving. That's, that's crazy talk. Dangerous. Are you, um, are you into a lot of horror fiction? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I've always loved horror fiction. Uh, man, I, as, as a kid, you know, we were talking about Lovecraft, uh, mm-hmm. earlier, man. I just, I just ate up Lovecraft as a kid. Um, uh, um, uh, Robert E. Howard wrote a lot of horror. Well, a lot of his Conan stuff had had horror horror elements, too. Uh, You know, Saturday night or Saturday uh, afternoons, uh, you know, where I grew up, uh, they would have an afternoon, you know, matinee
1: on TV. Yeah, we had that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: with monster movies. Yep. Yeah,
1: and I, They always had man, that. It was I like Blackula that. and stuff like that. Some of the ones were like really bad B-rate ones. Some of them
2: were terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah most of the movies that I saw were the ones that Mystery Science Theater three thousand made fun
1: of. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ours here, we had a. Uh, it had like when the when it would start, it was a Saturday horror matinee. And the screen had like these two swirling like things next to each other, and they would have a segment of uh, of I want to say it's not it's Led Zeppelin's "Dazed and Confused" like in the middle of the song where it gets really trippy and acid trippy, and you'd yeah. see these two swirls on the screen. It would like it had the 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 blood dripping, you know, word graphic Saturday matinee horror feature or something like that. And you know they would show back to back bad horror movies. Some of them were pretty cool, but it's on regular network television, so they can't show too much, you know. For the most part, but I do remember seeing Blackula is one of them. Oh. Um, yeah, black exploitation Such a movie. Bad
2: movie, man.
1: Um, and the what was the other one? I I the um. Forbidden Planet was a frequent one that I remember seeing quite a few times, which is still a great horror movie. It's one out of horror, which movie, is a, it's a great sci fi movie. a
0: science fiction movie. Yeah, yeah. we'd
1: we have stuff like them, which is a cool movie. Yeah, the giant um, ants. Yep. Yeah. And what's yep. the
0: one with the with the giant uh uh grasshoppers?
1: Oh, I don't oh, remember. Crap. I do remember Light of Night of the Leopis, which was a movie about giant killer rabbits. Giant
0: killer rabbits, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. And and the, the one with the Kingdom of the Spiders with William
1: Shatner, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I think Night of the Leopas had uh, didn't it have uh, Doctor McCoy in it? What was his name? I think he, I think it had him DeForest in it. Kelly. Deforest yeah. Kelly. Yeah, it DeForest. might have. Yeah, I think it had Deforest, <laughs> and it was like literally like it was this little like train HO scale train town uh, train town, and it was night, and now they has little bunnies hopping through this town, and then like they'd open up a door, and there'd be this like giant real rabbit face, and they would be like, ah, oh, you know, it's gonna eat us. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. But anyways. Yeah. Uh, Lobo, bad. you're on deck. Go ahead. I keep stepping okay, so,
2: over you. well, you know, the uh, we've pretty much covered what you know part of what I was going to ask as far as like what what was the real impetus for you doing this? I mean, you you stated you know in jest that you've been trying to write horror, but I mean, what was the the real impetus for you doing this? What what made you decide that yes, I'm going to do this now at this point?
0: Oh, yes, yeah, that's pretty easy. I finally had
2: enough uh, short horror to put together in a book. Oh, all right, well, that's a simple <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> and we already covered what your your uh, inspirations were as a youth growing up. I mean, I, I read many of the same um many of the same authors that you did. but uh, so I mean, the, there, there's a bunch of really good stories in here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come at you from the same direction I did the last time. I couldn't find anything that I didn't like but the one thing and it's going to sound, you know, right along my uh my normal lines of being so demented is the last story in the book. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> is the matriarchal Nazi cannibals. Where did you get the idea for that? And may I say, sir, good play. But I
0: appreciate that. Thank you. And I dreamt it. Get out of I here. Literally dreamt I mean, I it. I I woke up in the morning and I'm like, "Oh, oh shit, honey!"
2: <laughs> See, I just now. Dream- I thought you just wrote that as a to lead into the story. No, you no act- that-, that was an actual dream. That was an actual dream. I woke up and I'm like,
0: "Honey, this is you can't. I just, I dreamt this. I, you can't That's believe it." Awesome. I explained the whole thing and she said, "You've got to write a story out of that." And I'm like, yeah, "You're right." So
2: that I is did. Awesome. Yeah. Well,
1: what is what is the basics of the story without ruining? I guess. So everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. Because when I first saw it, as Lobo, I, I thought it said uh, Mariachi. Nazi- <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a whole different theme. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What
0: the hell is this? It's such well, a good story. Well, thank you. I, I I appreciate that. It was so fun to write. Yeah. It uh, basically it's a uh, a, a college uh, a college crew uh, doing a doing a documentary for a film film class. Mm-hmm. And it's about small town life. Well, the small town that they pick and they go to uh, in secret is run by uh, you know the, the descendants, the, the the female descendants of of the Nazis from World War II, mm-hmm. and they eat people because it says cannibals in the title, and hilarity <laughs> I mean,
2: ensues. That whole, <laughs> I mean, the whole. As I'm reading it, and it it's you know it's building to this pivotal moment of the, I don't want to say the cliche, but it's building to the point where, okay, something's going to, something absurd is going to happen to these kids. And then the tires are slashed on the, on the car. Like, yep. The road's pretty tore up here. It happens often. No, it's all only the horror stories since this happened. <laughs> I mean, that was great. That was great. That <laughs> Thank it had, you. The story had all of the hallmarks checked off for a good horror story that happens out in the middle of guess where United States. It was so good. Well, and that's
0: that's one of the things that that I wanted to do is I, I just I, I wanted to hit all of that stuff, which, you know, and I, and I also wanted to make sure that the, the Nazis, what, what they were doing and, and, you know, was was at least consistent uh, other than the cannibal part was was consistent with, uh, uh, you know, what they were what, what the Nazis did. Sure. So I, th- I think I hit some of that. Okay.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was if you if you had taken this story and had pulled it out and put it in any, I mean, it, it's on in my opinion, it's on par with something you might find in like a Bachman book. It it has that air to it. It has that feel to it. That is amazingly high praise. Thank you it's so good. much. It's it's such a good and it 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 rounded out the entire book, that being the last story, it was the proverbial nail in the coffin. It was perfect. It's the humor that goes along with it too, you know, and whisper in Santa's ear. That's another great story. Where did that, where did you find, where did that
0: come from? Oh, it's just, uh, mall Santas always creep me out. Always creep me out. uh, Mall Santas, mall Santas to me, rank right up there with clowns. They, they shouldn't exist. Because who the hell really likes a mall Santa? What picture of a kid with a mall Santa have you ever seen when they're not screaming? No, nah, none. They're none. Terrifying. None. Right. Right. Exactly. So I wanted the kids to have something to scream about. So I
1: gave the kids something to scream about.
2: That's great. Were
1: you actually like See, at that- a mall when that when that idea came to you and you just went, this would be a great idea for a horror story? No. I, well, I was. I was.
0: I was. I was, was kind of close. It came to me. There was a, there was a mall in Kansas City that was the mall that I hung out hung out at. Um and i stopped by there with with uh with my kids uh by accident we just happened to be going by and it was closed almost it had one anchor store left yeah as most of them all are now it's a dying thing now right which was a macy's and i'm like this is i want to go through this i want to see the balloons and the fountains and and we went in i mean there were Cracks all over the all over the, the 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 pavement outside the parking lot with weeds coming out of them, you know nice. the the Montgomery Ward uh, you know sign had you know letters that were falling off and bird's nests and the rest of them. It looked like the zombie apocalypse happened, and so we go in and it looks like the zombie apocalypse happened. There was like fifteen stores open in the whole mall, and. Uh-huh. Um, you know that's that 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 kind of that kind of gave it to me because i was remembering uh, as a kid being in that mall and being taken to santa and being scared to death
1: <laughs> and you know that creepy vibes vibes like oh yeah i know what i'm going to do i think there's a web page where it's all pictures like creepy pictures of kids getting their picture taken with santa
2: yeah there is there is one there's also one with the easter bunny
1: yeah i was going to say the easter bunny easter... ones are terrifying yeah yep. And they, they are weird. <laughs> Santa you can see, but the Easter bunny to a little kid is, is a giant man-eating rabbit for the most part. Um, yeah, the cool thing about the, the mall that I just mentioned is is there was a story,
0: uh, I think it was in the UK's Telegram, about American malls that are dying. And yep. there was a photo essay. So I clicked on it, and I'm like, oh, crap. That's the mall where I hang, hung out. It was the
1: same one. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. We've got one. Yeah, I, I've ran across that in, in, around here as well. We've got two local malls around here. The one that is closest to me is still doing okay. That one's they, they've done what they had to do to keep it open. Then we've got a major one not too far where I'm at, where um, the Ford. It's it's by where the Ford World Headquarters is. And Ford is going through a rebuild right now. They're tearing down all of their old facilities and building brand new state of the art facilities. So, in the meantime, they have to find a place to put all these people. So, they went to this mall that had a lot of vacancy in it. And they were like, we would like to rent half of your mall and turn it into modern day Ford Motor Company offices. So, they're kind of using th- that. They've turned, turned, ha- turned half of the mall into a Ford facility. So they're doing all of their testing there. They've got like state of the art standing desks and all this stuff that they're doing. their testing for what they're going to build into these new facilities at that mall. And the cool thing is, is if you work there, like you can walk out and they're shopping right there, there's food right there. They've kind of, they're doing what they got to do to keep the malls up and running. At least that one is. And the one closest to me is doing fine, but a lot of them around here are just gone because there's really not much of a need for, you know, malls anymore. Um, Right. But that I mean that mall sounds like it's you know more healthy than,
0: than the one that I went to that I took yeah. t- t- took my kids to to see the old mall because the the original pizza restaurant was still open, but, but the words, you know, original pizza, all it said was oral and I'm like thank <laughs> I'd,
1: I'd go in there if my
0: kids weren't with me. That's
2: great. Yeah.
1: So, tapping back into your old school paranormal stuff, all of the paranormal stuff that you've covered, how much of that do you think is actually creeped into your writing, and do you even use any of that anymore? Do you do you reach back into like the shadow people and all of that stuff, or do you just kind of toss it aside and create from scratch?
0: Yeah, well, uh, most of it's most of it's from scratch. Uh, there is one story in particular in uh, uh, in in you know my book of short stories, "Road Closed," that is about. Uh, a series of paranormal stories that that I'd written about. And that was um, the one about the pale man. Mm. And there was a series of stories that I wrote from a number of different people who had never met each other um, who rode the BART, which uh, the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, you know, in the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco. and They all gave me the same story, which was of a priest, with pale skin, um, horrible breath, and he would just sit there and stare at them. And occasionally he would talk to them and you know, they would feel amazingly creeped out and they'd get off the train and then they'd see him like standing in the street where he, you know, shouldn't be, that sort of thing. I, I did use that that entity in, in one of my stories.
2: I kept wanting that to turn into midnight meat train. <laughs> I kept wanting that dude to be a serial killer or something.
1: Yeah, are you a fan of Clive Barker at all?
0: Uh, God, uh, it's been forever since I've read anything by Clive Barker. But I remember that I have. I mean, I have. I've read yeah. some of his stuff, but it's been forever.
2: Huh. Well, you had the... the. Uh what the heck was the name of the story? The Black Thing? Oh, yeah. yeah that was very H.P. Lovecraft reminiscent. That was, that could have been, again, that could have been written by Lovecraft or Block or Howard. That was a great story. It had all the same, it had all the check marks off, again.
0: Well, I mean, and that was, first, you know, that was the first, that's the first uh, short story I ever had published. So that's that one's kind of old and that was prob that probably was in- influenced by uh, uh, by some of the old horror writers
2: but still that was that's spot on that they say that the best form of flattery is to be a mimic
1: imitation is the highest that form was of flattery perfect.
2: that was perfect i mean yeah. that that shows that showed me where your roots lay as far as the the building and the thought process
0: yeah, and you know uh, that reminds me of I was reading a book of Stephen King's short stories years ago mm-hmm. and uh it's a, a short one of the short stories was Jerusalem's lot oh God we, I love that story yeah which later <laughs> he you know, turned into Salem's lot the novel yep. but I remember yep. reading Jer- Jerusalem's lot and thinking King was reading a lot of HP Lovecraft when he wrote this
1: oh God he's
2: so obvious he has he has uh Admitted to being influenced by Lovecraft. Well, who really isn't, though? I mean. Oh, well, true. But, I mean, there's just some <laughs> people that are. I mean, The Mist, that is. Guess where uh, New England, Little Town, uh, Tentacle and anim- Monsters. I mean, that could have been a Lovecraft story. Right. Yeah,
0: very sure. and I agree completely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, but he, I mean, every writer's influenced by, you know,
0: by somebody. Yeah. we yeah. I read oh, yeah. It, yeah, you know, like uh, you know, I we already, already went over the the uh you know, the Lovecraft and and, and Howard and, and I read some Arthur Machen as well, oh, Great God Pan. And yep. That was a big one. Good story. And um uh, I mean, I read a lot of Stephen King as a kid too. Mm-hmm. Uh he's influenced a whole a whole lot of writers. Um but I mean, I've also I also read everything Douglas Adams ever ever wrote. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I just
1: love humor. That's, Did you uh, um bringing that you, up, have you watched the new incarnation of uh, Dick Gently's Holistic Detective Agency? Uh, which one? The one with um, Elijah
0: Wood? Proto, yeah, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Proto. I'm, yes. Uh, I watched the first episode. And oh, you didn't I'm like it. it. No, 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 no. no. I, I need to watch more, but the first one was the only one that was free. Remember I said I don't pay for things. Oh,
1: well, I, I, well, I, I know someone who can hook you up. I know somebody who can hook you up, for that matter. Um, it may or may not be me, but I won't say that over the air because, you know, stuff. But, right. uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. I Douglas Adams was another person I think it was kind of underappreciated who influenced a whole lot of people that, um, for whatever reason, you, you just don't. I mean, you hear about them but it, because it's British humor and because of the way that it is, it is, most Americans don't get British humor. It's very dry, which is unfortunate,
0: which is it was completely unfortunate when I was uh, I I taught a a travel writing class in uh, in London uh, back in 2013, which was great because I couldn't have afforded to go to go anyway. So it was paid for by the university. Again, I don't pay for things, Um, (laughs) but that's one of the places I had to go. I left a uh, blue uh, biro uh, on his grave. Really? On Douglas Adams' grave, yeah, there's there's a little uh, there's a little uh, cup because you know I wasn't the first person to think of that. There were a ton of uh, of, of biros sitting there, huh. but oh, I had to go see I had to go see his grave. I also had to go to the uh, to the Angel Inn in the uh, Highgate area of, of London because that's where uh, the Monty Python guys would hung out hang out and get drunk and talk about sketches. That's great. So I had to go have a pint there.
1: Funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to go back
2: to where it all began.
0: Yeah, and I was, my God, in class the other day, one of my students, I said, what are you guys doing for spring break? And this one kid said, well, we've got family in Norway, and we're going to Norway. And I almost oh. said, why are you pining for the fjords? Oh, but I stopped scary. myself. <laughs> I stopped myself because these were all freshmen and sophomore. And I said that I, then I said out loud before, you know, I didn't say that. I said I was going to make a Monty Python reference, but I didn't figure anyone would get it. And they all stared at me with blank eyes.
2: Oh, no. It was depressing. I remember when my uh, oldest
1: daughter discovered the magic of Monty Python's quest for the Holy Grail. Um, And it was a proud parental (laughs) parental moment in my life. I was like, yes, you're watching. It's kind of like... Like when she first watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, or Sixteen Candles, like movies that we grew up with and watched and stuff. And then your your child comes along and watches them. And to them, it's an old movie, but they can still appreciate it. And I was happy that she found Monty Python's uh, Quest for the Holy Grail funny. Like I can make jokes to her and she gets them now. So, you know, it was a proud <laughs> parenting moment in my life to be able to say, here, watch this and hopefully you'll find it funny. I hope you find it funny, you know. Yeah, you know, on Friday see,
0: nights, man. Friday nights we let the we let the kids, we're like, Oh, it's Friday night, school's over, kids. You can watch a movie tonight. So they get to pick the movie. This is about a year ago. My son, who's now twelve, said, I want to watch the Holy Grail. Nice boy. Parenting done right.
2: Yeah. My you know, my girl, my oldest is twelve, and she's been watching Greece.
1: Oh. Oh <sighs> Have you showed her yeah. Princess Bride yet?
2: Doesn't like it.
1: Doesn't wow. What are you doing wrong? Wow.
2: Um, I'm married. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm I'm sorry. I there's still hope. I mean, I'm sure she, my wife likes Princess Bride. So maybe Who doesn't like Princess life. Bride? Dude, I know people that hate that movie. Like a visceral reaction. They hate it. I don't get it. What do you mean? The one six-fingered man. What's so funny about that? I'm like, "Oh, okay, we can't be friends anymore." <laughs>
1: Jason, do you do a lot of conferences and stuff like that? Have you have you gone to a lot of, of like say even paranormal ones? Have you have you met an assortment of strange people? Oh
0: yes, uh, yeah, I've, I've done a number of them. Uh, last one I did was a couple of years ago, and and I told the organizers I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> So the unbathed masses I take it. Yeah, well no, here's here's what here's what the problem and it wasn't just I mean it wasn't really the people cuz I've met some 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 you know cool people who were there at the at the conferences. I mean they're were smart people. I mean there were, you know doctors and lawyers that doesn't mean they're smart, but there were doctors and lawyers there, you know, along with you know roofers and custodians who were interested in this stuff. I mean, because everybody's experienced something paranormal and they I mean they were interesting people. But a lot of the people who were there presenting, that's what got me. Mm. Because they were talking about look at all these photographs of, you know, UFOs. You gotta look really close here, and I'm like looking at them thinking, You just you're making shit up. Stop lying. <laughs> you're you're doing the Richard you are fake thing news.
2: now.
0: <laughs> I mean yeah, you're just you're picking something out of out of nothing and Here's one of my greatest frustrations. This is another reason why I stopped doing a lot of paranormal stuff. Here we is go. That, this is what I was digging for. Here we go. Yep.
2: It's
0: <laughs> it's futile. It's it's futile. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've experienced a lot of things. I've interviewed people who've experienced a lot of things. I've been present for people d- documenting things that I am 100% guaranteed positive are paranormal you know what? It doesn't mean anything because science wasn't there. Scientists weren't there. And even if they were recording the same things we were recording, they wouldn't be able to reproduce it. Meaning mm. it's not true. They, It's not scientific. So until scientists are able, you know, until somebody puts a big foot on a slab or brings uh, an alien body into somebody other than the government, ooh, uh, or, you know, we've, <laughs> You know, we've got, uh, you know, uh, Stance and and Vinkman and those guys who invent a, uh, uh, you know, a a trap that actually captures a ghost and science can study it in a lab.
1: You know, until that happens, you know, people are spinning their wheels. That's one of the reasons why we stopped covering so much of this stuff. Lately, we've been doing it because I've said a couple of times now that's just what's been falling into our lap. But. After a while, it's like, all right, well, there's not much of a point in covering a lot of this stuff unless we can bring something different to the table because none of this stuff is going to matter.
0: It's it's not. And I mean, I'll listen to interviews and people will be going, me and my team, me and my team did this, me and my team. You're not a team. You're plumbers. You're you're construction workers. You're not a team. You're plumbers. (laughs) And, you know, it doesn't matter. You might come up with the best evidence ever. And I'm not saying these people aren't out there actually uncovering things. I'm sure they are, you know, collecting evidence that's important, but nobody's going to pay attention
1: to it. It's the problem. Yeah. too bad. Let me get to this. I went to a holistic – I went to the Michigan Holistic Festival today, (laughs) or one of them. And it was me and a couple of listeners of the show, and we thought, hey, this will be funny. Let's go, you know. And uh, it's – we call it the dirt mall. It's a big indoor – It's a big indoor flea market. There was two of them. One of them got closed down, so there's only one left, and it's on the other side of town. And we were talking back and forth on Twitter, and the Raelians were going to be there. Now, for a while Did they have any clones with them? They did not have clones. I went there, admittedly—I have no shame in saying this—hoping that I would get to see boobies, because the Raelians (laughs) are known for going topless. You know, they'll see them at parades with their boobs hanging out, and they do have some very— uh, voluptuous women with nice chesticles, and they'll be in the parades and they'll be holding like the blow up green aliens and they've got their little symbol and stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I, I really don't want to go to, I don't like going to holistic festivals or paranormal conferences and stuff for the reasons that you just stated, but I'm like, we'll go to this, you know? It'll be fun. Hey, your
0: motivations are not wrong.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for an honorable purpose. I want to see poops. And uh-huh. we've been kicking around interviewing the Raelians for a long time. Now we do a show series every once in a while, or a segment called "Get Religion," where we've interviewed alternate religions. And everybody that we've interviewed up till this point has been in on the joke. They've either been fake religions, or you know, they've been they've been good spirits and good fun about it. And I kicked around interviewing the Raelians because I didn't want to have them on the show to laugh at them. Because up till this point, that's what we've done, and everybody's been cool with it. We interviewed the Church of uh, uh, the Church of the Subgenius, and you know, all these different ones. So I'm like, uh, you didn't make
0: fun of the Jedi's, did you?
1: Not yet, but they did agree to come on the show. Like we just yeah. have not set up a time yet because Sweet. they're in Europe. There's well, there's several schools of the Jedi. I mean, not schools, but there's several churches of the Jedi. And the ones over in Europe, the British, uh, I believe they're from the UK. They were like, yeah, we'd love to come on your show, blah blah blah. But there's the four-hour time <laughs> difference, which makes setting up interviews hard. Um, which thanks for reminding me, I do gotta get in touch with them. So mm. we went to the Solistic Festival today. It was a couple of listeners, and they're they're great people and uh we're hanging out in this place and we got there and it was a holistic craft show where half of the thing was a holistic thing, maybe a quarter of it. sorry, man. It's a holistic craft show. Yeah, yeah. We didn't realize it until we got there. I got there and I'm looking. It was me and this other person. It's uh, this girl, Dorian. She's been on our show. And then we got another listener of the show. His name's Eric. And he's really cool. They're both of the skeptical community, but they're the good guys. They're good people. So before we go there, I'm like, if I start laughing hysterically, one of you needs to hit me upside the head. And they're like, no, we're going to encourage you laughing because I didn't want to embarrass myself. Because I was going there, they're like, okay, now when you go there, bring your vibrations up. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm an OT-19, I'm an operating Thetan-19, I don't don't need this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Kick it Scientology, bring the lawyers. So we get there, we walk into this mall, Uh, we call it the Dirt Mall, and it's basically, I look at it as a 1990s renaissance festival. Because everything that this place has, it's like booth after booth of tattoo parlors, car stereo stuff that you question as if it's real or not. Um, Old school computers that people are trying to resell, airsoft booths, uh, people selling airsoft guns, uh, cheap knockoff RC cars. And then they got one section of the, the warehouse that's sectioned off for like their shows and conventions. So we walk into it and I'm looking around thinking... I'm looking wow, I'm like there's a whole lot of holistic stuff here. You've got people selling the herbal oils and all this stuff, and then we walk about a quarter way into it and we realize only a quarter of it is actually the holistic show. The rest of it is arts and crafts. Some of it is intermingled, and we look over and we're like, this is a holistic arts and crafts show. This is far stranger than I thought it was going to be. So, the Raelians are there, of course. We walk up to this one table. Well, yeah,
0: but if it's always... First, I need to interrupt, because if it's a holistic arts and crafts show, that kind of makes sense, because if you buy the belt from the arts and crafts show, you know, everything is interconnected. Yeah, okay. When you put the belt on.
1: Okay. All right. (laughs) So we walk up to the first booth, and it's a guy that's got this table set up. I'm not going to mention any names except for the Raelians because they were actually the cool—they pe- were the coolest people there. So we walk up to this table, and this guy's got this sculpture there. It's carved. It's like a piece of a tree cut and a slab, and it's it's lacquered, and it's got like a little water bowl, a fountain in the middle of it, and then it's got like. This It's got, like, a tree sticking out of it with Jesus on the cross, and then it's got, like, a little gray alien fishing into the pond. It's really bizarre. I'm looking at it going, what the heck? And the guy's got this big banner that says, have you been abducted by aliens? We're here to help. And then he's got a section of the table where it's got, like, a little model, a mock-up of the Nazi bell, and various, like, home-printed CDs off of his computer that are all about... Like, um, it turns out the guy was a reverend and he was one of the, he was one of the people that, you know, find God, all aliens are are evil and they're here to take you from God. And the reason that the aliens are here is because the Nazis brought them here. It was this whole wild backstory. So the guy that I'm with walks up and says, I've been abducted by aliens. How can you help me? And the guy's like, Well, first I'd like to introduce you to Jesus Christ, which I promptly turn around and walk away because I'm trying to keep from laughing, and my friend grabs me and she shoves me back and I'm trying to walk away. So I get a picture and the banner says if you've been abducted by aliens we're here to help. So the guy goes into his big long spiel. So then we're walking around a little bit and there's people selling the holistic salts and the herbs and uh the the candles, the spiritual candles and the beads and the stones and all of these different things. Um and then we go up to this one table and there's this Miss Cleo woman like woman there and she's selling all of these salts that have been mixed with herbs that you burn or melt or something like that and they put positive spiritual vibes in the air from their scents and it was all like okay whatever and then you go to the next table and there's the guy making the holistic pot holders you know for grabbing pots off of the table um and it was it was just really something. And then you got a guy who's the candy vendor who obviously doesn't belong there at all, and all he's doing is selling homemade candies or candies that he bought from a bulk food store and put in little individual Ziploc bags and he's selling <laughs> three for five. And you're like, So what's your story? He's like, Nothing, I'm here selling candy. You wanna buy some candy? These are three for five, those are five for five, and those are and I'm like, Okay, well, you don't belong here, but I get it. People need to buy candy. So we go to another table and there's a woman who's selling the herbs and spices and stuff like that, and she had this one thing that was full of um it was full of these different, like, kind of roots that you put in your mouth and you suck on them, and they're supposed to bring um, they're supposed to bring focus. So uh, we're man. just like, uh, what was that? Beach nut? I think hmm. it might have been, yeah. So we're sitting there, and she's running her spiel, and she, like, when you go to these things and people offer you food or something, me being a fat ass, and the rest of us were all kind of hungry, she put the spoon out, and, like, two of us just stuck our hands out without even thinking. She could have been giving us crystal meth, and we're like, it's free, we'll take it. So we're putting this stuff in our mouth, and then the guy that was with us, he puts a whole bunch of it in his mouth, and we're talking, and he's like, oh my God, I've got so much focus, I can't unfocus now, because it had a horrible taste. She's like, just chew on it, put it up in the roof of your mouth or in your gums, and suck on it for a little bit. And the taste was horrific.
2: Um, sure, it wasn't licorice root?
1: I don't know. It didn't taste like licorice root. It didn't taste like anus. It didn't taste like anus. Wait a minute. It tastes
0: like. I think you were in the wrong place. No, it didn't taste like anus. It Sorry. Like anus. That's great. Where have you been going? So, That's what I was going with the Beach Nut and Red Man. I thought you got chewing tobacco.
1: So we finally get down to the table where the Raelian people are. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And the guy's like, so what's the spiel with the Raelians? Because you know, this guy's way more talkative about this stuff than I am. And they start talking, and of course, I want to start grimacing and laughing and stuff, but I I didn't, and I kept on going. And the guy, and they were the genuinely cool people. And the guy, the guy that was with me is like, so have you seen the guy around the corner? He's like, what do you mean the guy around the corner? He's like, the guy over there in the Nazi belt. He, he goes, I imagine you wouldn't get along with him. And the Raylian guy was like, we get along with everybody. We like everybody. You know, this is what you know, this is what we do. And he explains the whole concept of the Raelians, which was humorous. And I'm like, well. I finally, all right, I've been interested in getting you on the show. Would you come on the show? We're not going to laugh at you. We'll listen to what you have to say. And they were genuinely cool people. And I've got to say, if someone were to put a gun to my head and say, you must join some kind of a cult, I would probably, given the choice, if I were given a choice to go with a cult that was a legitimate real cult, I I would go with the Raelians because they were genuinely really cool. Because this a boob cult. Well, that also had points in their favor. That definitely was something that Uh. gave points in their favor. Um, but they were really cool people, and she was like, oh, yeah, here's my card, you know, and I'm from the area. I I run the chat in the Michigan chapter of Aliens, and they had the little swastika symbol with, like, the Star of David around it. And she explained why they're doing it, and she's like, we want to bring it back. It's a cool symbol, blah, blah, blah. You know, you have people that burn crosses and stuff, and nobody wants to get rid of the cross. And for thousands of years, the swastika was a peaceful symbol, and then some idiots came along called the Nazis and ruined it for everybody. And, you know, we want to bring it back, and they were just genuinely really cool people. They weren't like, there's a comic coming, we need to kill ourselves. You know, this is this is what we need Yet. to do. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't get the the vibe of, they were like, well, we're here now, so let's have a good time and let's party, you know? <laughs> and
2: have the whole apple white vibe? They, yeah.
1: <laughs> so
2: they were cool people
1: of all the people that were there. You know, they were like, we get along with everybody. And I'm like, what about the people that think you're crazy? And she's like, yeah, whatever. You know, they think they're they think, as long as they're cool with us, we'll be cool with everybody. We like everybody. We're, we're fine with it. I'm like, well, will you come on the show? And she said, yeah, I'd love to. Here's my card, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we're not going to laugh at you. We might laugh together and have some fun, you know, or whatever. But I don't think we're going to try to laugh at you. She goes, eh, we don't care. We like getting laughed at. We're not worried
2: about Wait, it. Wait, you promised I wouldn't laugh at her? What are you doing? <laughs> well, you
1: don't have to do the interview, and I wouldn't hold it against you if you didn't. So, <laughs> Oh, you think I'm going to miss that? <laughs> But yeah, we met, I met the Raelians and they were they were genuinely cool people. Whereas the guy around the corner, like if you'd have walked up and sprouted a quarter of what the guy what they were saying, he was like, "No, no, no, blah blah blah." And you know, fire and brimstone and Nazi Jesus. demons and Jesus and stuff like that. Whereas the Raelians were like, "Yeah, whatever. You know, this is what we do. Here's our book. You know, you get it for free." You know, you know it's, it's going to those go to those like Conventions
0: are. I mean, they're a mixed bag. Cause I, oh yeah, I've gone to a few. I went to a few uh, as when I was working in in, in the newspaper industry, where uh, nobody else wanted to cover stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm cool with it. I'll go. And, and I went. I mean, I've gone. I, I went to ones that. I mean, I remember interviewing a woman. She was a really attractive lady in a nice blue dress, wearing a uh, golden pyramid on her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was interesting. You know, the, the, the ones you know selling the herbs and the crystals. I mean, what what the hell ever, but. I ran into these people who um, were from the, you know, they were spiritualists. They were from the spiritualist church. I'm like, okay, yeah, these guys are nuts thinking in my head. And so I, I sat down and, and spoke with this spiritualist minister. And she was from, I believe, Georgia. And, you know, I was asking her a bunch of questions. And then I got to, okay, how does how does somebody be a spiritualist? How does somebody become a spiritualist? And she just looked at me as matter of factly and said, There's, there are two different ways. One. You can be born into the spiritualist church. Just like you. You were born into the Methodist church and you're a Methodist. Thinking in my head, okay, yeah, okay, I'm Methodist. You know, if she would have just guessed Baptist, that's probably better for this location, but Methodist isn't a bad guess. So I'll hmm. just I'll just cruise with that. And I said, Well, what's the other way? She goes, Oh, you convert. A lot like your mother, who who your mother was a Catholic, and uh, you know when she married your father, who was a Methodist, she had to convert to be a Methodist, and uh, you know it's like her. And and I'm, at that point, I'm thinking, what the hell? <laughs> because she <laughs> nailed it. If, who? Why, how would somebody with a straight face talking BS would have you know pulled out the fact that yes, my mother was a Catholic and she converted to be a Methodist when she married my dad. Hmm. So. Yeah, I ran into a lot of wackos at that <laughs> convention, but uh, that one at least
1: gave me pause for thought. That's why I asked you if you've been to these conventions and what your experiences and stuff were with them. So,
0: well, and most of most of them have been, have been a, as a presenter, but that that was that was one that actually made a really good impression on me as you know a reporter covering it.
1: All right, well, we've had you on here for well over an hour now. Um, this is usually the part of the show where I give the guests who the opportunity to pimp whatever they're out there promoting, pushing, selling, doing, what have you. So, at this point, go ahead and talk about whatever you want to talk about or whatever whatever wears you're pushing these days.
0: I want to talk to you about the Church of Scientology. And okay, the show is now over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Because uh, I said I was an OT-19. <laughs> yeah. We've... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, we, and we've talked about a number of my books. I mean, I've, I've written four books on the paranormal, um, one specifically about shadow people. Uh, that I three, figured you were about, tired
1: of talking about, so I didn't ask about it.
0: Yeah, well, I've, which is fine because, yeah, I've talked about them for a long time. I just – I did a TV interview on that uh, earlier. Uh, it was yesterday morning, I think. Um, so, yeah, people are still talking about that. But I've written four on the paranormal and, and, and the travel log we talked about across a corn-swept land. Uh, the – the, the parody survival guide. Uh, there are 14 chapters on how to, how to fight uh, different monsters that, uh, that attack you in your home. Plus there's also a chapter on how to survive the apocalypse. Uh, you know, you're going to want fresh water. You're yes. also going to want to deal with the off it bread hypothesis. Why? Oh, wait, what? Whenever society breaks down, you know, you're going to want a sandwich. Oh, you're going to need to know cool. how to make bread because, you know, butter, standing bread. Outstanding bread. bread. So uh, I've got a recipe in there on how to make bread. I also have nice. uh, directions, uh, various directions on how to make fire uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: without uh, without matches or a lighter and uh, how to purify your own water. Uh, there's also a chapter on uh, the monster killer uh, legal, uh, legal, legal rights. Legal defense yeah. fund, yes. Yeah, your legal defense fund. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of rules out there about uh, killing people and killing monsters. So, uh, you know, I I help you get out of jail free. Uh, And then we talked about my novel, uh, A Funeral Story, and uh, my latest book on, uh, you know, horror stories, which you guys seem to like, uh, Road Closed. They're uh, all available at Amazon or on my website, which is JasonOffit.com. Nice. This is also how people can get a hold of me, www.jasonoffett.com. I've got my contact information. I would love
1: hearing from people. What do you got work in the works next?
0: Well, I've written a, uh, uh, a book. Uh, it's a YA fantasy. I'm trying to broaden my horizons as much as possible. Uh, it's going through its fifth edit now. I've got high hopes for it. And Tonight, I just started on its sequel. Uh, I was uh, working on it whenever uh, whenever you guys called.
1: Ever Ooh. thought about writing paranormal porn?
2: Oh God! Why?
1: <laughs> I
2: wrote it. I read an article. I've told it sells uh, well.
0: <laughs> I read an article a couple of years ago about a woman who who writes Bigfoot porn and it put her kid
1: through college.
2: Hey. So yes, I've. We considered. might know her. Yeah, we actually might.
1: We might yeah. know her. We we almost had her on here on Valentine's Day, but for whatever reason things just couldn't work out. We had a bunch of stuff going on. I I think I might know who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Seriously, she put her kid through college. Was That's her name
0: Sharon? <laughs> I, I don't remember. But how many people are writing Bigfoot porn? I bet it is her.
1: There's a lot. There I <laughs> actually was, there are quite a few. Yeah, there people there that are quite it. a few. I would tell you to go and actually check it for yourself, but you don't want to see the number of results. Because I also you don't have the want the filter on. on. I don't want <laughs> that on my search history. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm told it's quite lucrative. And, and, and uh, what was? Who's the big guy that that uses the pseudonym and writes all the crazy ones? Lobo. We used. We talked about him many times. Oh. I can't remember geez. what his name is. He's like I was. I was gang raped by gray aliens or something like that. He yes, he he comes up with all those. Is. But I'm told it's quite lucrative. And it, people just crank them out like, you know, like the old school days of, of dime novel science fiction. and they get paid by, you know, words and they just crank them out. And nowadays with straight to Kindle, you don't have to worry about a publishing company or anymore.
0: Oh my That's God. True. This
1: is really more of a statement on our current society than anything else. Who the hell is
0: buying this? Well,
1: lots I don't of know. people. Yeah. Well, obviously lots of people. We've, oh, we've okay. almost covered it a couple of times on the show, just the phenomena of it, but I'm not sure if it's quite you know material for what we do as as we talk about having shows about fecal matter but uh yeah right <laughs>
2: fast food freak outs yeah Yeah, sure why not
1: exactly but i'm I'm told it's quite lucrative and i'm told there's a lot of people that are out there buying the stuff there was um way back when the whole color change dress ordeal was going on if people couldn't Uh. decide if the dress was black or gold or whatever color it was somebody wrote a gay porn book about being raped by the gay by the gay color changing dress or something along those lines
2: yep they sure did
1: yeah so we've taken you down a path Uh. that you don't want to go down i'm sure but uh as we well, often do. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about things right now. Yeah, just don't use your real name. That's what nobody does. Very few no. people in the business do use their real name. You know, just get a hold of a publishing house and crank them out there. If anything, it's beer money. You know, or money to make beer, because you and I are both avid homebrewers.
0: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't. Uh, oh, my last batch was a disaster. I haven't, uh, I haven't started another one.
1: I am drinking homebrew right now as we talk.
0: Um, well, I'm envious.
1: Don't be. It's not good. (laughs) I drank all of mine. It was terrible, but I I drank all of it. I make really good mead, but I don't make very good home beer. Um, I just literally threw this together out of leftover stuff that I had and said, I'm going to make some kind of beer out of this and see what happens. And um, So anyways, uh, (laughs) yeah, thanks for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I'm going to let you go, but don't hang up. Uh, thanks for being here. You know, it's it's nice to see you writing writing what you're doing and it is good. It's They're very good books. Yeah,
2: good stuff. I mean, um, seriously.
1: I'm like, going to be 100% honest. I really like your, your comedy a lot better. Not that your horror is bad, but I do like your, your comedy much more um, because you're a very funny guy and I just really enjoy reading your funny stuff. But for your first venture into the horror realm, um, I found it very good and I, I am going to be oh, recommending it to people and I do strongly suggest people buy it. What's nice Especially with fictional short horror, um, or you know short stories. Period. If, if you got to go to the bathroom or something, or you're stuck at the the DMV or whatever, it's there. You can read through them very quickly. It's not like a novel where you have to get invested into something. You can right No, I, I, I
0: love toilet books. Yeah, you know, no, bathroom sure. books are awesome. Bathroom books are the best. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I love. I absolutely love short stories, and uh, not admit, there's not enough out there. Mm-hmm. No. Some of Not some like of my favorite books. I've got a, I've got a a, you know, uh, a number of books of uh you know Asimov and uh, and Bradbury uh uh Arthur C Clarke short stories. Those mm-hmm. I reread those all the time.
1: Have you ever thought about I I wanted to ask you this earlier. I want to let you before I let you go. Have you ever thought about going into the realm of audiobooks? You know, have you ever thought about putting some of this stuff down as audio and selling them in audio form?
0: Um yeah, I've thought about it. Just haven't gotten around to it
2: and <laughs> you know, there's your I answer
0: just, i got a lot of i've got a lot of a lot of things going on no, I'm too just... lazy man i'm a parent dude, he's like a teacher dude back <laughs> off no i mean i've got four months uh four months of vacation a year i mean i should do something with that right
2: oh yeah, yeah i'm writing you don't books to press or anything
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're out on road trips all right, Jason, we'll let you go. It's been a lot of fun. We need to do this more often. You know, we need yep. to uh, just, get out, just get out and talk with you and just not, you know, not deal with books or anything like that. But no, uh, This
0: has been great. I love talking with you guys. It's like I'm just sitting around
1: with you guys drinking beer. Oh, wait a uh, second. Then you are. I am. Uh, we are, actually. Two, except for Lowe, two yeah. out of three are. <laughs> yeah, two out of three of us are. So, uh, yeah, we're going to let you go. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. Take care.
0: All right, great. Hey, it's great to be on the show. I really appreciate it, man. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Thanks so much,
1: Jason. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Hey, everybody, when you're done checking out this
2: podcast that you're listening to right now, why don't you slide on over and check out something new on the Retail Rant. I'll be there, the ranty bastard, destroying everything and anything that you may hate about working in retail. So
1: check it out. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, just about
2: anything you can listen to a damn podcast on. So come on over, check it out, enjoy the rest of this show, and I'll see you soon.
1: So that was an extended interview with Jason Offit, somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, and then the <laughs> yeah, hijinks was... and hilarity that ensued off the air were just as bad as normal. Yeah, um, yeah, but do go do go find his books. Just really buy how to how to kill household Mo- Mo- raw monsters with common household devices. If you've got a Kindle or you can get the Kindle app, it's a cheap book. Pick it up. It's very 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 funny. Um, the through a corn swept land is also a really funny book. His uh, short story fiction is nice. Uh, we did really enjoy that. We're not just saying that because he was on the show. We liked it. No. It was cool. No. It was an easy we're not, read. We're
2: not ones to do lip service. We don't like something. We let people know we don't like it.
1: Yeah, the amount of books that I've gotten. we I actually had somebody contact me this week via our Gmail, and they sent, uh, which is one. of it's weird that it t- we talk about the holistic show that we went to. Um, which again, Eric, one of our listeners, Eric. He, uh, I cannot even pronounce it. La- Eric, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name. So if you're going to butcher this, your last name, sorry, but It's W O J C I E C H, Chowski Okay. I own I funny guy. Wait, how is it spelled? Uh, lots of letters starting with W, ending with Chowski It's not
2: Wichikowski, is it?
1: W O G C I E C H O W S K I. Okay. M i c k e y m o u s e
2: o s c a r
1: m y e r.
2: Oh, dude! Now he's never gonna listen again.
1: No, he'll be, he's. I'm, I'm sure, sure he will. He's gonna listen just to hear me say this. Thanks. He was great because we went to this holistic festival today, and I was like, if I start laughing, smack me. So he he. I'm always like, we need to do a podcast together. I need to get you on the show at some point or another. And we go to this thing today. And he would just walk right up to the table and be like, all right, so, uh, you know, tell what me you about, deal? yeah, what's your deal? He's really blunt about it, you know, and he's real, real open about all this stuff. And I'm like, which made me even want to laugh even more. And he's just a really cool guy, real fun to hang out with. And, um, you know, he was like, well, let's go talk to the Raelians. Let's go. let's go over and talk you know, let's go over and talk to him and stuff. So he's like, "'m I'm, I'm going to this because I want to get these people hooked up with you. I'd like to have you interview the Raylians. So let's let's get this going. And me, I'm kind of recluse for the most part. I'm like, really, when I'm out in public and stuff I'm like, oh, hi, how are you doing? I, I host a podcast what? I host a podcast. what? I uh, just give me your card. So, you know, he was up talking to these people, and it was a lot of fun. And there was this woman that we met that we met there. Um, I didn't catch her name. But she uh she heard us talking about the Raylians and stuff, and she walks up. She's like, "Did you go to the gentleman down the end down there?" And we're like, "The guy with the Nazi bells and all that stuff." She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I told him I did yoga," and the guy looked at me with a straight face and goes, "I'll pray for you." And she was like, "What's that all about?" And I'm like, "I don't know." We found it really funny, and she was really cool. And I gave her her, you know, she she I told her about because I was wearing my Project Archivist shirt, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is the podcast that I host, and we talk about a lot of this stuff." You know, go give us a listen; it's free. So she pulled out her phone and pulled up our website i don't know if she subscribed to the show or not but she was a really cool sweet lady and it was just really funny she was like yeah i do yoga and he told me he would pray for me and i was like we're <laughs> we're looking at her like what what is that you know thank you
2: <laughs> wow. thanks for being a dick guy
1: so anyways um so we get this letter this email from a woman and she's talking about this guy who wrote um Another Jesus uh, is is the way aliens are evil and demonic possession through Ugh. aliens, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, would you be interested in having this person on your show and getting a free copy of your book? May I set up an interview? And I'm like, no, that's not really our thing. That's not really our groove. We're not – we don't really roll that way. Um, you know, mm. we're pretty cool with being possessed by gray alien demons. And I would uh, love that. <laughs> would love that. It's cool powers. I was just like, wow, what the heck? You know, it's nuts. But anyways um, – yeah. I do want to give a shout out to, uh, Andrew from the AB film review podcast, uh, ab com. They're out of Australia and he just, okay. uh, he was talking to me on Twitter this week and said some really kind words and stuff. And I, I was, you know, it was really cool. It just, it was, it just made me feel good, you know, to, to know that somebody was out there again, people that are on the other side of the world listening to us. Cool. And, uh, I just thought it was really cool, you know, to have the conversation with them on, that we did on, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, I should say. And if mm. one more person bugs me about you not being on Facebook uh, anymore, I am going
2: to lose my freaking mind. I'm on Twitter, <laughs> I'm on Instagram. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you can still reach me through Messenger. Messenger's yeah. still open. I'm just not on Facebook anymore. And you're at Lobo13th on Twitter? Yes. Mm-hmm. You so can you, find me. I'm, I'm on, whenever you tweet something through Project Archivist, you usually tag me.
1: Yeah. Do you want to talk about the cheese? Do you want Which to pull one? the article
2: up? The the My Little Pony strawberry cheese? Dude, I want to try that. I looked. When you posted that, I've looked at every store around here. Nobody has it yet. Where's the article at? Do you still have it saved I, or anything no, like that? Apparently some somewhere- Twitter feed somewhere.
1: Some company is releasing a, they're releasing a My Little Pony strawberry flavored cheese and a Transformers tropical crunch flavored cheese. Not
2: going to eat that one.
1: Nope. The idea of fruit candy flavored cheese sounds very strange to me, but I will try it. I don't know. It just does. Cheesecake. I know, but that still tastes like cheese with with fruit on it. It's just the idea of Mm -hmm. like. Sweet cheese. I've had chocolate cheese, which tastes like chocolate fudge. That was. See, look, there you go. Uh, oh, wait, I just found it. It's from the Huffington Post. Here, let me read this. Uh, oh, Terrifying My Little Pony string cheese is pink and tastes like strawberries. It's not a very long review. Um, yes, I have an ad block button. Go away. Uh, move over, M O O O O V R. Move over traditional string cheese. A company called, wow. aptly named Cow Candy, is making flavored string cheese, and the products look interesting, to say the least. Three new flavors recently hit the
2: market called Pinkie Pie Strawberry Jack Cheese. Love Pinkie Pie prime (laughs) dude she's my she's my pony man i love her yes
1: i've seen the inflatable suit prime punch fruit jack cheese and honey jack cheese and yes the cheeses really are pink and red and then they've got Mm -hmm. like they've got cow and chicken cheese with the cow from cow and chicken which nobody's gonna remember except
2: for me and you i used to love that show
1: uh the makers of the cheeses daniel O- O'Connor told The Huffington Post by email that the My Little Pony and Transformer cheeses are part of a partnership with Hasbro that launched in January. Here's what the products look like once they are opened and it looks like processed meat and chunks of cheese. Cool. Uh, the cheeses are made from fresh milk and natural fruit flavoring and gets its unique coloring from natural colors because who's ever heard of artificial fake colors <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> Aside from its honey, fruit punch and strawberry flavors, Cow Candy also offers green or, or apple, orange, and grape Monterey Jack cheese. Mon, grape Monterey Jack cheese?
2: I can see that. I sure. can't.
1: I love I love Monterey cheese. I eat it on tacos and fajitas
2: all the time. Yeah, I can see that. It's got the right consistency, uh, the right uh, flavor. Yeah. God, it sounds disgusting, but I will try it if Dude, it you're possible. talking to the guy who ate a Twinkie Dog. Come on.
1: Yes. O'Connor told us that there are some exciting new flavors on the way as well. Uh, one of the products website on the products website, O'Connor says that she is tr- tired of seeing kids eating over-processed and over-sugared snacks. So she made overprocessed, processed over-sugared cheese. Uh, these cheeses, this, the, the cheese has 1.1 1. 1 to 2 grams of sugar per serving. So she started making her own healthier snacks. I started working on the concept in 2009, making a bunch of top samples in my kitchen. I sourced ingredients and lean on many of my colleagues in the specialty food industry. I would try these if I was able to. I would try them and do a review on the air if possible uh, yeah. for what I call the cookery and camaraderie stage of our product development. O'Connor told the Huffington Post via email, we started doing proof of concept testing in 2014 and then it went to market. Of course, there are critics who just don't understand why O'Connor had to go and mess up the magic that is plain old cheese. I kind of agree. Um, I like oh. to I give it a shot. I, I can't criticize it until I actually try it. I like to explain to people that I think we are a bit out there, which we totally are, okay being, uh, that fruit and cheese have been paired together for eons. That is true. Uh, Post* even told today as adults, we enjoy cheese and wine together or pair our cheese with grapes, apples, figs, and the like. Cow candy is just juvenile expression of our pairings. P.S. Strawberry milk exists. Yes, it does. She's got a point. And so does yogurt with fruit flavorings. Uh, A whole lot more sugar. Uh, flavored cheese is nothing new, though brands like Kraft and Palio usually stick to flavors like jalapeno, sweet barbecue, tomato, basil, and cracked black pepper. Uh, if you're interested in trying string cheese, an 8-count retails for $6 on the Candy Cow site. I wonder if we should bugger and see if they'll fr- send me a sample and do an mm-hmm. on-the-air review. Yeah. Um, I want to know where
2: to get it I can't find it
1: I don't know you know what I'll email her what's the worst they can do ignore us and not send us anything yep. I mean we had the company that sent us the box of uh, Soylent Green Crackers Dude, at one a box
2: they sent us a, a case
1: of- yeah they sent us a case that was our that was I think it's our box. first actual giveaway of any kind when we mailed out yep. all those boxes of crackers I don't know
2: if I ha- I don't think I have any left, actually I don't. I don't think they I ate do them anymore. all. I, you you ate them all. <laughs> yes, I ate them all. I used port wine cheese they, and I ate them all. They
1: weren't that bad. Soylent Green was okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the whole thing on the article. I'm gonna. I, I'll. I'll email them. I'll say, hey, you know, we'd like to review this on our show. We cover this kind of stuff, and we'd like to review the stuff on the air and talk about it. Mm. Yeah. You know? So yeah, if you guys hear this, you know, I'm only laughing at it because it sounds the concept of fruit and cheese together like this sounds very strange to me but i would very much love to try these and i'll eat them on the air and review them and you know see how they taste you know and and, and give you guys a shout out and all that stuff i want to know where to get it i know i've never get seen it anywhere
2: stuff. dude have you been to the website to see where they can get it i'm looking right at Pinkie pie it, i actually have that picture i put up as my my profile picture at one point
1: uh, the picture of the cheese or Pinkie pie oh Let's go to the cow candy website. www.cowcandy.com. Look at all the free advertisement and promotion we're giving them right now, folks. Yeah, whatever. Uh, our story shop. Let's go to shop. Uh, shop, loading, loading. loading. You got to order
2: it from them, they got to have it's got to be on store shelves uh, at some point. $6 a bag
1: for all of them. Uh, cow candy variety pack, fruit punch, uh, fruit punch jack, and grape cheese, strawberry jack, and orange jack. And those are the uh, cow and chicken cow. It doesn't have a location for where you can buy the stuff.
2: You must have to order it off of this.
1: Oh man! So they do send it to you in a refrigerated container.
2: Maybe. Well, I'll bug them, dude. I want that. I want the Pinkie Pie strawberry. <laughs> I'll
1: bug them. You want to email them, or you want me to do? It?
2: I'll do it. You do it.
1: I'll do it. And I'll give them your address, and you can you can review them. Um, dude, I, I would just, so. I'll, 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 I'll buy the ones for myself if I have to. I'm actually half tempted just to order the stuff. With the Patreon money and say this, and same. then just
2: t- didn't make a review even without them knowing.
1: about it. <laughs> Listen, you either send it to us or we're gonna do it on our own.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. How great would that be? Either you send uh, us something and we talk good about it, or it, <laughs> you send us something and we'll talk now, bad about it. Now but we're I gonna I don't be know. freaking thugs. That's yeah, horrible. no kidding.
1: No, we're gonna extort them for money for cheese. No, really. If I you look guys look hear this, me, I, I this, I want to review this. I really do. I want to. I want to check this stuff out. You know.
2: Dude, I would so yeah. Yeah, I would eat that. I would eat that. <laughs> absolute no question
1: all right let's wrap this show up and call it good because right. we've been here for a little bit now we've been going at this for a couple of hours this is probably one of yeah. the longest shows we've done in a while mm-hmm. um you're not going to uh. be here next week you're dance dad next week yeah i
2: might be i not guaranteed
1: it's all right i got dennis from uh almost educational coming back in with us cool if all goes as planned without any hitches or anything uh cool. so far curse cursing the show hasn't happened too much and then um I've actually stopped. We've got one more interview that I've got set up for April because I didn't want to pass up on it. But I've made it a point to not try to book interviews again right now. I've actually told a right. couple of people, no, we can't do this right now. We need to take a break for a little bit. And then April 1st, I'm not going to be here. But that is I'm when your on episode. Spark. Well, that, that April 1st is when your next episode is going to drop. And no, it's not yeah. an April Fool's joke. It really is. You are dropping another episode of the Spark yeah. the
2: next one. And I'm working on recording another one for April. So Really? I told you I want to get one a month. Yep. I'm surprised. I was talking to people yep. today
1: about how I was so impressed with your, your level of output and how you're doing things now. Because I was brought up in the conversation again. Did Lobo leave a Facebook? Yeah, well, he's doing stuff again, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm like, he's working, on some, he's working on his own stuff now. So, And again, I'm completely fine with it and I love it. So, <laughs> 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 Oh, yes. yeah, one more thing. The Michael Hughes thing that we had last week about the binding Trump stuff. how did that go? I, you know, it's strange. We've actually got people, I've had more than more than a few people send me messages saying, hey, I'm, I don't believe in magic. I'm not a practitioner of magic, but I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it, yep. and I'm going to see what happens. And, you know, because there was one thing, it, one thing about Michael was he was like, um, you know, because he said, he's like, even if you're not a practitioner of magic, give it a shot. You know, it's kind of like. It's kind of like a guy asking for spare change. You know, if you've got sure. some spare change, toss it away. That's kind of what he's doing. He's like, Hey, if you don't believe it, give it a shot anyways. We can use all the, the help whole, we got.
2: The whole premise is chaos magic anyway. So it pretty means- much.
1: Pretty much. But we've got people like well established people that listen to the show that we know very well. Some people are very much promoting what he's doing. Now, again, we're not this is not a political thing. Nope. This the idea of what he was doing was something that was out there. But we've people that are actually like, I'm not at all into magic. I don't believe any of this stuff, but I'm gonna give it a shot just for the heck of it and see what it's happens. So, you know, and I was on Where Did the Road Go Again last night, Cool. very last minute, uh, listening to Josh have an existential meltdown about what would happen if ET was actually, if if the announcement was made that extraterrestrials are out there and has been visiting the planet. Uh Uh, We had a big, long conversation that went into all kinds of crazy areas, as it normally does when I'm on the show, or as it normally (laughs) does whenever we have a roundtable discussion. It was one of the funner moments, because I got to play the part of the asshole. I was like, okay... For tonight's episode I'm going to be that skeptical asshole guy. You know, and I'm going to do this this and this. This is not how I am, but I'm going to do it for the purposes of the show and I stated several times be throughout that the show. Guy. And then afterwards, uh Josh sent me a message saying he, he said he liked Unbound Row, so I sent him a picture back of the two guys from pulp fiction with the red rubber ball gags in
2: their mouth. Oh for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh my god. i will get the gimp
1: so I don't know when that episode's gonna drop. It'll probably be in a couple of days. So if you're a listener of Where Did the Road Go, you're gonna find me popping back up on there again. Because I had a rare Friday night where I was able to go on there. And he just had Robert Schneck on there too. Um, cool. Yeah, he had Robert Schnuck on Where Did the Road Go through us. Nice. So um but that's it. I'm done. You know, I'm I'm beat. My voice is starting mm. to go and the caffeine's starting to wear off. Nice. So, you know. Anyways, this is uh Rogin from Detroit. Peace out. This is Lobo from
2: Connecticut? and I don't know. All right, folks, peace. Bye bye. <laughs> Remonstrating on our indestructible days, the party never seem to end. We don't be punched the night. Next- and twisted bend
1: This glass that raises heavy Heavy has my
0: heart this day The river slips right past us The mountains stole your breath away.